Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. What has being annoying stopped you ever? That's an excellent point. (laughs) An excellent point. That's part of the charm. Rich Crage. Corey Graves screaming, perfectly legal, Cole. You can do anything you want in tribal combat. It's perfectly legal. While Paul Heyman is just yelling, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat, tribal combat. I'm like, God damn it. Fuck all of you. Fuck this. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you, my bro, Chacho? Did you do something different for the intro there? I no. was able to. Uh, did Did you do something production wise? No, I don't think so. No, no. What do you mean production wise? Define production wise. Well, I mean, I was able to hear the entire thing, and you know, normally I can't hear it, and I'm just waiting for you to start the show. I don't know. Are you? you, know, are, do, you do you have it on in the background or something? Do you have a, the YouTube video up in the, in the background or something? Maybe? I don't know. Don't you think I would have checked that <laughs> as the most obvious solution? <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. You heard the whole thing? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. And then, and then you, now, listen, nobody knows what we're talking about. This is very behind the curtain, but um, I don't know. I just felt like maybe you figured out how to get me to be able to hear the intro or something oh like no that. not just... i don't think so but, but maybe i did i it, unintentionally i did i guess so, so uh you, there you, you go. still don't care you still don't care whether i hear the intro or not That's... not really well do you care do you right. want to hear the intro um more times than not it's the same i mean it's the same for it it, it it ends up being the same for about two months straight and then you know occasionally we'll have the terry funk thing that gets us blocked <laughs> from youtube and then you know then we go right back to the other one that we were using before so yeah um, you could have used the funk intro for the the podcast version, correct or no? Uh, I didn't want to raise the ire of the Eagles or Warner Brothers music. We we, we already don't get along with some arms of the Warner Brothers uh, family. I don't want I don't want to poke that bear too much. So we probably well, could have still, but I uh, it's not it, it wasn't worth it. So we we put it up I've as said, an exclusive. We put it up as an exclusive it, for. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one way to look at it. But as I've said many times in my life, you know, Don Henley can suck it. You know, I really don't care. Yeah, right. Boys of Summer, not that good of a song. Eagles, they stink. You know, just worked for for this one moment. It worked. But um, let it be known, Don, if you're listening, uh, when I use Boys of Summer for my Boys of Summer series, I didn't use your version. I used the Atari's version. So suck on that, good Don. For you rich. Yeah, chud. As far as far as I'm concerned. Glenn Fry, he's a bitch ass rapper. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh they all they can all yeah. they can the all go band. to hell. Yeah. Ken, 
Can I name another one? I can't. But <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I'm out on Eagles, so if you, I can get, I can give you Randall Cunningham, uh, but but I'm out on other Eagles, so I'm out on those Eagles. <laughs> I, I can give you a few more uh, football Eagles, but uh, I'm out on on musician Eagles. Yeah, if there was an immaculate grid for band members, I'm done. I named the two that I know. <laughs> I can't give you another Eagle. Um, let's see. Even if I spotted you a first name, you couldn't get another Eagle, right? Actually, I'm looking now, and I, I, I probably should have known Joe Walsh. That's one that I. Oh, is that an eagle? Okay, well there you go. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Joe Walsh is an eagle. Is he an original? I need that little uh, graph at the bottom of the Wikipedia. Oh yeah, band I love that. Do you love that? I, I always, I always scroll down there. I love like, you know, lead guitarist was there for a year and then bounce, and it's like, ooh, they got real big right after you left, man. That's got to suck. That's got to really sting. Or it's a great graph because you can see the overlap of when people were in the band. And yeah, it's yeah. very helpful. Uh, yeah, Joe Walsh was, uh, yeah, pretty much a constant. Yeah. Okay, Eagles yeah. talk so, here on the flagship. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. That one I would have come up with eventually, maybe. Um, Vince Gill is a member. Is, okay. is, yeah. is in the Eagle? Sure. That I didn't know. More recent, I guess. Um. All right. Well, we were able to name two and a half Eagles. <laughs> there we uh, go. Immaculate, band uh, immaculate band grid. Uh, we just did there. So. Yes. Um, I don't know. What do we talk about now? Oh, man, we got we we got a little bit to talk about here uh, this week on the old uh, flagship. We have um, NWA seventy five, of course, which uh, I'd I'd uh, argue with Joe that we should not start the show off with the uh, Tyrus career retrospective here. Uh, I think I think we we came to a, an understanding that it might be better to do if we at least give it the last hour of the show, you know, so what we can we can make sure the NWA seventy five review uh, and the Tyrus career perspective is 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 given the proper amount of time, you know, that it deserves. So that will come uh, later in the show. We're also going to talk about Rev Pro's eleventh anniversary show was this weekend uh, from the Copper Box Arena. It was a hell of a show uh, in the obviously the the, the eve of All In uh, London. So uh, we'll talk about that show, uh, break down all the matches, talk about the tremendous accomplishment for Rev Pro, uh, getting that big crowd, having just a kick ass show with the matches that all that when in our preview all the matches we thought were going to deliver delivered, and I think even a bunch of others uh, over delivered uh, even to what I thought. I thought it was just an incredible top to bottom show. Uh, for Rev Pro, there. Uh, we'll also preview All Out when we know what matches are going to be on All Out because uh, we are recording this. We're live here on a Wednesday, obviously not our normal time. We're usually on a Thursday. I am going to AAW tomorrow. AAW is doing a show, uh, Chicago Indie, of course, uh, doing a show, and and a bunch of other indies are doing shows uh, for uh, for All In Weekend, so we can make or All Out Weekend, I should say, so we can maybe talk about that uh, a, a little bit later. But uh, I'll be watching. Um, AEW tomorrow. I'll be there live, so we could not do the show tomorrow, so we're doing it today, but as such, we are doing it while Dynamite is going on. Now, the problem with that is this Dynamite's kind of important for, you know, making matches for All Out, so uh, we're going to do the All Out preview a little bit later in the show once we have a little bit better of an idea of what the card is going to be. Hopefully, I say that where, you know, we're an hour into Dynamite, and I believe one match has been added to uh, All Out, so we'll see if the last hour packs in a bunch of uh, uh, match announcements. If not, uh, by nine o'clock, you know, Central Time, ten ten Eastern, we'll just preview what we know about All Out and preview it the best we can, uh, given the, the you know time frame of of doing the show during Dynamite, during the Go Home Show, and also us not having a a complete idea of what the show is going to be uh, at this very time. So that will come later in the show, uh, the All Out preview, and then uh, Joe, I guess we got to start out with um, CM Punk. He is at it again. 
I guess is the best way to put it. It's we're back. Mount Brooks has erupted. We have the Jungle Boy thing or the Jack Perry thing that we talked about a little bit during our instant reaction uh, for All In, which, by the way, if you're wanting, hey, you guys are going to review All In, right? Nope, we already did that uh, immediately after All In on Sunday. That is on the Instant Reaction Live on flagship patreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, uh, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. So if you want that, two and a half hours plus uh, of us reviewing uh, All In London, freaking out about the Adam Cole MJF main event uh, match and angle and all that other good stuff. But that is available there. We are not going to be reviewing All In on this very show. So if you do want to hear an All In review, again, two and a half hours available, instant reaction live uh, over there at flagship patreon.com but we talked a little bit in that show about the cm punk jack perry thing it was kind of just breaking as we were going live uh, immediately after the show and now we have a multitude of other stories and rumors and reports and and at at this point joe i don't even know the best way to tackle this or best way to kind of recap all the stories i don't even know what's true anymore or what's been corroborated or what's been where are you at this point with this the week that was cm punk in in, in AEW again Where, where do we even begin uh i don't know uh <laughs> right it's like i, mean, I, I it got to a point I, where i wasn't even sure who was reporting what and whose reporting was either corroborating or denying what other people said it, it, it I, I my head was just spinning with all the things so so as far as well, I, can, <laughs> I can i guess let me let me put it this way what does it matter what does it matter what really happens who uh, made physical contact first with who? None of this matters. If CM Punk wants to come back, he'll be back. And then this will all happen again with CM Punk and somebody else. Rinse, repeat. We're never going to find out what happened. I, in the first 24 hours, I was given no less than six different stories as far as the details of what happened between CM Punk and uh, Jack the Jungle Boy. And, uh, you know, just threw my hands up, decided I'm going to stay out of this one. Um, I don't know how something can happen right there in front of uh, so many people and then have not not have two stories match up at all. I I, I don't know how <laughs> nobody's story was happens. the same. Nobody's story in, in, was the same in pro wrestling. And th- these are just versions of the story that people sent to me, let alone the various different versions of, of the story that were reported by various outlets, some of which match some of the things I was told. I heard such wild versions of this thing. I think I told you one of them, the, a version that still hasn't emerged. Um, where it was essentially a, a two-on-one attack on Jungle Boy with <laughs> yes, one version. Yes. And it's like, I don't know what... Look, we're never going to know, okay? Um, I think it was Brian Alvarez who said, according to some witnesses, the fight happened right in front of Tony Khan and, and monitors tumbled all over him. Yes, yeah, that was, that was Alvarez's report. So, I mean, if that's true, what do we even need an investigation for? The boss saw it. But... This is all posturing. I don't it, look. We've we've been down this road. We've played this a couple game times. Before. <laughs> a couple times, yes. And we're going to suspend these guys pending their quote unquote investigation. Um, CM Punk will decide whether CM Punk wants to come back. And um, you know, 
I suspect that he will when he cools off and, and he'll come back and it'll be another person that he has to be segregated from, even though they were already at odds, these two long before this fight. And, uh, you know, and then we sit and wait and, and, uh, reset our clocks and, and, and wait for the next explosion of Mount Punk. That's all. And, and we're, it just rinse repeats and, and, um, you know, so so I repeat the question again, Rich. Does it really matter what happened? It, I mean, probably not. Probably not. No, it, it really doesn't. And 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 some of the other reports came out of. Well, obviously, you have the Miro inclusion, where one side reports that then he had a confrontation with Miro later in the night, and then other people said, no, 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 they were kind of joking around, or that got blown out of proportion. It's like, all right, whatever. And then there's the report that you know Punk and I. I, I don't even remember who even reported this one because again, my head was just spinning at this point. Uh, that Punk and Khan had a heated exchange, and and. At this point, like you said, it's none of it thus far in the history of AEW. None of this shit has ever mattered. It's never mattered. There's never been consequences, any true consequences. There's never been a sit down. There's never been a real conflict management. It's just take people away for a little bit. Hopefully cooler heads prevail. And then in a couple of months or weeks or whatever, people come back and then we just hope and pray that it doesn't happen again. But then it happens again. And then we go, oh, God. And then we, like you said, we do it all over again where we separate the people. We avoid the discussions. We avoid harsh conversations with anybody. And then, yeah, rinse and repeat. A couple months later, we'll do it all over again. So, yeah, you're right. It it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, there's no open disclosure of anything with the media, you know, Tony Khan's having another media call, I think, tomorrow. I, think uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it tomorrow? I don't know. My uh, well, my invite once again got lost in the mail. I must have lost my email address. So it's tomorrow. I think. Okay. And um, it'll either be addressed at the top that it's something that he can't discuss, like he did at the uh, post All In media deal, where instead of waiting to field the first question on something, he's not going to answer. Now, what he does is he just says, "Hey." I was aware there was an incident, and we're not going to discuss that tonight. To kind of cut you off at the pass, right? Don't um, ask. I don't know. Can't say. So, don't you can ask, ask. I'm not going to tell you anything. You probably should um, still ask, but yeah, I mean, you probably should still ask, but no one in the room is going to. We all know that. Mm-hmm. No one on the call tomorrow is going to. If they're asked not to, we all know that. I mean, if these people had any guts on the call, every single question would have to do with CM Punk, and you would either force. Tony Khan and just continually keep saying "Ah, that's a great question but I can't answer that for 60 straight minutes or get something out of him right but um you know 90 percent of the people on these calls are are either clueless or gutless so that's not going to happen um you know and and he's not going to answer anything um and I guess he doesn't have to you know I mean it's not any kind of publicly traded company or or you know he's at no um you know, he has no. Uh, There's no reason for him to answer it anyway. What, what's going to happen? But yeah, I what's going to happen if he doesn't answer him? He's just going to continue but the moving. Fact on. Is, but my point here is, we're never going to find out what happened. No. And we don't know what happened. We, punk- Joe, a year. I, I I just wrote a piece today for flagshippatreon.com about All Out 2022 last year, Brawl Out. We still don't know what happened. We have no idea. We know no. that something that that, that a, a physical confrontation happened between Punk and the Elite. We have no idea. A Steel, we think was there. Brandon Cutler, we think was there. Christopher Daniels, we think was there. We know nothing else aside that. That's all we know. We don't know who started what, who said what, 
who got hit by what. It's all just conjecture and 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 random stuff and little trickles of news and stuff that that you know you couldn't. Oh well, then Kenny grabbed the dog and valiantly left the room with the dog or whatever. Oh no, the dog bit Kenny, and then it's like, okay, I don't. You know what? Whatever. I, I, we don't know. We still don't know what even happened a year later for brawl out so we're not going to know what happened with this thing we're never going to know not in this business no and um the wrestlers are never going to tell anybody or put their name on anything um you know people like miro will go on twitter and 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 tell you that what's being reported isn't true will he tell you what's true though he won't no he will not um he won't do that he'll post memes and he'll be silly he'll be a silly goose uh, and he'll be the first to tell you that all these reporters are wrong, but will he clarify anything or give anything on the record to anybody? Of course not. None of them do. And you never find anything out. And that's just the way the stupid business is. And I, you know, I, I don't think it's ever going to change. Jesse Collings just wrote a great piece for the Voices of Wrestling site talking about this exact issue. And, um, you know, it, it's it's uh, we're never going to know. And as a result, because of the contentious relationship or this cloak and dagger relationship between the people in the wrestling business and the wrestling media it's all a vicious circle because and these are issues that i have talked about repeatedly Mm -hmm. on this show okay i've i've talked about this going back years uh you can't get anything on the record from any of these people because they don't take let's talk about that a little bit let's so so the piece is up at voiceswrestling.com jesse collins just wrote it the headline is uh, AEW has an easy solution, or, or, or AEW's backstage drama has an easy solution. And Jesse basically says that the wrestling media, you know, the wrestling business has evolved, and it's time that the wrestling media evolves with it. And we got to stop doing the cloak and dagger, hush hush, k kayfabe this, k five this. You know, just can 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 I put your name on this report? Can I say that you told me this? Can I say that you talked to me? This sort of stuff, and it go, it goes from both ends too. You know, the wrestling companies themselves should probably be a little bit more transparent about what's going on and transparent about, you know, what's going on in their in their backstage and, and in their business or whatever. And people that are getting, you know, quotes from people should also press to say, hey, I'm going to put your name on this. And the wrestlers should also say, hey, put my name on this. Like, that's essentially what Jesse is trying to say, that a lot of this stuff would be better served with people just actually putting their name on stuff and it not being a hush-hush business. Because, you know, he uses the 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 idea that CM Punk's, you know, tirade at, at brawl out last year all out 2022 was he thought the bucks and the elite were feeding stuff to the media and feeding stuff to Meltzer and Alvarez and those sort of guys and those guys all kind of said no we didn't really hear from the bucks like I don't know who he, he's wrong if he thinks that's the bucks who but Jesse's whole point is like we could have we could have squashed that in seconds if it just if it was just Dave saying no I talked to X I didn't talk to the elite or or reporting initially uh per you know da 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 this is the story and just getting out ahead of it putting the names on the, the reports would do a lot for the weird sort of cloak and cloak society, like you said, and everybody kind of looking at each other like they're stabbing each other in the back and running to the media and doing all that sort of stuff. It's just it's become a giant clusterfuck. And, a, and AEW especially has become just a giant clusterfuck of reports and reports and reports and camps and camps and and rumors and conjecture and all that sort of stuff. So what, what let, let's unpack that a little bit now, since we're, we're, we're talking about this topic. You know, you you are somebody who regularly does you know, get sources, report stuff like that. What, why do you think that it will, or why do you think it would be better if we put people's name on it? And also why do wrestlers and why a, do you a, and everybody listen, not want to do is, it? This is, I could cut you off right there. It's pointless. No one will ever put their name on anything. It's just the way it is. And it's never going to change because um, it, it's just, it, this is woven into the fabric of the wrestling business. 
the the wrestling promoters, the people inside of wrestling, don't have any respect for the wrestling media. There, and then because of that, and because any news that's reported is almost exclusively from anonymous sources, uh, the people who consume wrestling media then don't have any respect for the wrestling media because they just view everything as rumors and conjecture because there's never any, because uh, it's always um, you know. Um, unnamed sources or, or stuff that's off the record and then it becomes a vicious circle and it doesn't serve anyone's interests inside the wrestling business to have a more open and transparent relationship with the wrestling media how does that serve their interests um you know you could argue that as jesse did in the article that it would serve their interest in that if the if there were if we had eliminated the confusion of all of the Colt Cabana rumors, then maybe CM Punk wouldn't have had a buck up his ass that night, right? If we would have eliminated all confusion of where the Jack Perry wants to go through glass and CM Punk doesn't want him to story that came out, uh, then maybe Jack Perry wouldn't have had a bug up his ass about it and thought that CM Punk was running to the media, okay? So that's maybe one area where more transparency between uh, the people in the wrestling business and the media uh, would, would help sort of avoid these situations. And I think Jesse makes those points very well in his piece, but um, I'm very negative on the idea uh, that, that, that will ever happen. Um, it's just the way that it's always been. And unfortunately, I think it's the way that it always is going to be. It has to change from the top. I can tell you that during the pandemic uh, in the heart of the pandemic, I asked a major American pro wrestling promoter, how they were going to handle something during the pandemic in terms of um, taping shows or how they were going to handle. This was very early on when we weren't sure, you know, when the world had stopped revolving. Okay. And um, I got my answer and, you know, I wrote a piece and I quoted the person and I don't want to mischaracterize it. They didn't get mad. But they immediately came back and said, hey, I, you know, I, I didn't say you could put my name on that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why not? This is an innocuous thing. It's actually a positive story. It's saying, you know, how you're going to handle promoting wrestling during the pandemic. And I, don't, I, I couldn't understand why this person was bothered by the fact. I went to them for a story. I got a quote from them. And... I let my readers know, my customers know that this is a quote from so-and-so, but that was like, no bueno. That was like, you know, and then it was like, oh, well, from now on, you can't do that and blah, blah. And it's like, even with a story like that, I mean, it's not like he was slinging dirt. It's not like he was burying anybody on his roster. It's not like this was some, um, you know, salacious thing. It was simply how a taping was going to be handled during the pandemic. And it's, it's, that just goes to speak. It's like, Everything has to be secretive. Nothing can have a name on it. And I can understand why the wrestlers feel that because the wrestlers fear for their jobs. The wrestlers fear right. for their push. The wrestlers don't want to be seen as stooges. The wrestlers don't want to be seen as, as, as you know, uh, uh, people who are stooges for the sheets. I, it, it's so deeply embedded in the business that it's never going to change. And the, 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 the circular, the, the, uh, and, and the effects, as I said, they don't respect the media. The people who consume the media don't respect the media. And then you run into situations where, um, uh, like, like, and here, the latest thing here, and, and my God, 
all of you people who are so super touchy about CM Punk, just X out of the show right now because this is not a defense of CM Punk, even though some people are going to read it that way. And all the group chats are going to light up that I'm defending CM Punk. And that's not the point of what I'm about to say. Okay, let me be clear. The point here, though, is now this new thing that we're seeing is any grain, any grain of news that hits that doesn't paint CM Punk in a 1 million percent negative light. What does everybody say? Ah, the punk camp must have planted that one. Ah, the punk camp's behind that. You know, if it doesn't totally bury CM Punk under the earth. And listen, there's no question that CM Punk and people close to CM Punk make sure to get ahead of some stories. They make sure to get their side of the story. They they assemble quickly. They assemble quickly. And they do that. But not every single story that isn't 1 million percent negative on punk is planted by the fucking punk camp. The quote unquote punk camp. But why would you blame the consumer for taking that tact? Right. Because nothing ever has a name on it. Nothing. No quotes are ever attributable. It's it's and and it's it, it so that's another negative side effect to this. People play that game of where they're trying to source guess. Right, that happens and to us all the time, something. and it's been and they're usually probably about ninety five percent of the time wrong with the guess source that they try to you know every time it happens every time it's like nope you're wrong but that's and thanks anyway yeah yeah, yeah. The, and I can tell you as someone who. Uh, you know, occasionally report, listen, news is not our number one gig here. Everybody knows that. Okay. It's analysis for me and you. Okay. But every now and then we'll break some news and I'll put a little news behind the, the, the uh, paywall. It's usually when I have something that I feel is substantial enough and worthy of people paying for. Okay. I don't put out every little tidbit that I hear, but because news isn't our number one game. Okay. But as someone who does report news now and then, you know, um, I could tell you that uh, when people source guess, they are 99% of the time not even fucking close to getting it right. It's the dumbest fucking thing. And that's another negative byproduct of this lack of transparency between people in wrestling and the media is then people immediately go to source guessing. You know, there have been stories that I may have reported that I have sat on because I was afraid that people know that I may have certain relationships with people in wrestling and they would assume that it was coming from those people. And I don't want to get, I don't want those people to get heat and it's not even coming from those people, (laughs) but I have to be, but I have to be cognizant of that. Right. And I have to be protective of people that I know inside of wrestling, because I know that the first thing people do is say, Oh, Joe got that from so-and-so. And then that spreads. It becomes truth. It becomes the truth, and now that person's catching heat, and I, and I don't want that to happen. So sometimes I'm just like, well, fuck it. This isn't worth it. I'm not even putting it out there because they're going to connect it to the wrong person. And again, all of these problems would be solved with a little more transparency between the wrestling industry and the media. Transparency, which, by the way, is never coming because it starts from the top down. It starts from the top down. If I can't even slap someone's name on a quote regarding something as innocuous of what a taping schedule is going to look like during the pandemic, then what are we even doing? Right. Here? To try to try to keep wrestlers employed throughout a pandemic. <laughs> it was, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't tell. Don't put my name on that. And it's like, all right, we, we've we've lost the plot here. What, what are we doing? Come on. You know, it, then it, that just tells you that just like it's this systemic thing where it's just, 
you know, and, and maybe the motives behind that are, well, if I talk to the media, maybe my wrestlers think it's okay to talk to the media and I don't want to open that. Door. I, I don't know what the motivation Yeah, I don't know. Or are. just like, oh, I don't want, like you said, there, there's this, this weird thing where it's like, oh, I'm stooging off to the media or whatever. I'm stooging to the sheets or whatever. And that's, you know, that's, I don't want to be seen as somebody that talks to the sheets or whatever. It's like, we're, we're in 2023. What are we doing? Like, this isn't 1981 anymore. Everybody knows it's a work. We know what this business is. Like, what are we, we're still, as Jesse points out in the article, we're still operating in like this 1982 atmosphere where it's like, I ah, don't talk to the sheets. They're ruining the business. It's like, it's 2023, man. You know, the, and the, what we have now is no better. No better. It, it, it is a, a complete. And like you, you were mentioning like, oh, there, here comes the punk camp or whatever. We have also now so turned around uh, everything as well that anything that goes, you know, against punk is, ah, I wonder if I wonder if the elite, I wonder if this guy works for the elite. Like we had the, the thing where punk, you know, was in the in the tube, as they say, Joe, and he's, he, he needs transportation from, uh, you know, the, the airport to all in and, and, and Wembley. And now it's like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if the travel guy is a an elite guy and not a punk guy it's like what we have totally what is going on we have just completely lost control of what the hell is going on in this and 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 all this could easily be solved with a little bit of transparency and a little bit of conflict resolution but like you said it's we're we can talk about it for an hour and a half we can scream about it and yell about it. it's never gonna happen it's just we're we're we're, we're it's not in this business not in this company uh, especially it's just it's just never gonna happen so uh instead you know we're gonna have Things happen. Everybody run to the sheets as, 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 as you know, quote unquote, with their anonymous sourcing, and then everybody will be mad at each other and think the other person's talking to this co- person and talking to that person and and this thing, and nobody will trust anything. And, and then we'll and be the uh, consumer yeah. thinks, and the consumer will think we're just making stuff up. Yeah, right. to, you know, right. then people go on Reddit and say, ah, they just make things up because yeah, they're trying to looking for clicks. They're looking for you know, it, it's just a never ending cycle of fucking bullshit. And um, you know, and and and. It's just the funniest thing when these wrestlers will go on social media or somewhere and just vehemently deny that something's true. And yet, will they come and correct it? Will they put their name on the truth? Of course not. Of course not. You know? Um, and you know that 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 punk thing with, with getting lost on the subway that Nick Hausman reported? Yeah, that's actually a perfect example. Because naturally... When Hausman reported that story that CM Punk didn't have transportation from the airport to his hotel provided by AEW or whatever, and he was lost and fans had to help him and all this and that, people naturally saw that as yet another Punk-planted story to kind of paint AEW in a negative light for leaving him stranded at an airport, right? And I can understand why people would make that connection. I could tell you uh, that Punk absolutely did not plant that story. And do you know how I know that? Because... The same fan try uh, gave me that story earlier that day. I got the same exact story, and I know it's the same story from the same fan because a lot of the same verbiage and a lot of the series of events that Hausman reported in his story on House of Wrestling or whatever it's called was the same verbiage and the same uh, uh, statement and the same series of facts that I was told. And I was given photographic evidence, and this fan uh, obviously came to me went to Nick and probably a number of other people in wrestling because they had their little brush with someone famous and they had a little story. They had a little, you know, scooparoo and they're like, Hey, CM Punk never got picked up from the airport. And here's what happened. And I chose not to report it because my feeling was there was multiple reasons why I didn't run that story when I got it from the fan. Okay. Um, Number one, Uh, My perfectly honed instincts told me if I report this story, people are going to think 
this is me doing PR for CM Punk because it's going to look like exactly what it ended up looking like. Right. <laughs> CM Punk planting a story to make himself feel look sympathetic because he didn't have transportation from the airport to the hotel in light of all of the other shit that happened later on that weekend. Uh, so I said to myself, you know what? It, it looks like punk PR, even though I know it's not. I don't want those accusations. I don't want the headache. I'm not going to report it. Number two, I thought to myself, all right, while it's mildly interesting, I don't know if this is the kind of thing that people should be paying me $5 a month for. I, I just didn't. No offense to the fan who's probably listening. I appreciate you sending me the tip. I just didn't think it was a big enough or important enough story for me to report. Again, news is not my number one gig. And please be clear. This is not me being critical of Nick Hausman. For Nick Hausman, news is his number one. He needs news. He needs to report news. That's what he does. Okay? So I can understand why he ran with the story. Okay? That's his business. I'm not being critical of him. I'm explaining to people why I didn't report the story. I had it, and I didn't want it, and I chose not to do anything with it, and I'm telling you the reasons why. Okay? If Rich and I's income was dependent on wrestling news... I may have just bit the bullet, reported it, and ate the shit that I knew was going to come with it. And what's happening to Nick now that he put that story out there? People are calling him House Organ. Uh, you know, a little play on words there. <laughs> Which is a and, great, you, know, you got you to hand it to that, though. That's a pretty good. And, you know, he already had sort of a reputation for being a guy who's willing to put out, uh, you know, uh, the quote-unquote punk PR. And mm -hmm. maybe he is getting his stuff from punk side. And yeah, I think he's even said he's got some stuff from punk side. And that's fine. And again, I'm not being critical of Nick here. And I know people will turn it into that. And, uh, you know, that's fine. He can roll this audio back and listen to it. And if he wants to be mad at me, go right ahead. Half the world's mad at me anyway. You think I'm not used to that by now? But I, honestly, I, I'm not being critical of him. I'm explaining to you why I didn't want it. And this is a perfect example, though, of something where everyone just assumed, naturally, I would have assumed it too. If, if, the, if, if I knew, if I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that was planted by CM Punk. But do you see how easy it is to be wrong about that shit? CM Punk had nothing to do with that story, getting to these media outlets. Now, did Nick Hausman follow up with CM Punk after he got tipped off? Probably, but that's his fucking job. You should want him to do that. Right? I mean, geez. So anyway, that's just one small example of how these things can kind of tumble out of control. And people could just assume things that end up to being totally incorrect. Totally incorrect. Because I know for a fact that one wasn't planted by Punk. Now, the versions of the fight with Jungle Boy, well, listen, be my guest. I heard six different versions of that. <laughs> right. And I will not speak on any of them because I don't want anything to do with this fucking shit anymore. I want nothing to do with it. You know what? Rich, I could have went on our little Patreon every time I got a new version of the fight and put it out there and we could have asked people for $5. Yeah, we'd have been richer men. We'd have been much richer we men this money. weekend <laughs> if we you had. Money. We would have made plenty of money every single time I put one out. And I could have broke all six of them into their own little story and put them out every two hours, and we would have got new subscribers every two hours. But instead, I wash my hands of it. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm getting six different versions of something. I'm never going to get anything resembling the truth. Right, so you're never going to be able bother? to. You're never going to be able to figure out what actually happened. You, 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 if people, if six people can't corroborate on a on on something that happened in front of presumably most people there in attendance, then it's forget it. It's over. So I'm not putting anything out. And again, people, I'm not being critical of anyone who did. News puts these people's food on the table. It doesn't put food on mine. 
So that's their business. They can do whatever they want to do. If they want to report every 10 minutes on the on the latest fucking DM they get on the CM Punk situation, they can go right ahead. I stayed out of it. I didn't want nothing to do with it. But um, but it is frustrating, and I think Jesse made some valid points in his article um, as, as to how a lot of this um, lack of transparency at least contributes to a lot of this stuff. Um, and, you know, and, and I say this all the time. If the wrestling business hates bad media, and there is a lot of bad media, believe me, there's almost no good wrestling media. You know, and I'm not going to say anything more because I'm really going to get myself in trouble. But there's almost no good wrestling media. And so I agree with the re- the people inside the wrestling business. It's all amateurs. I'm no professional. Um, so don't think this is me. You know, um, well, I guess we are professionals now. But um, whether we think of ourselves as that or not. But my point here is the quickest way to put bad media out of business is to offer that transparency and go to the media that you trust, that you know are pros, that you know are going to do a good job, that uh, that act professionally, both in the way that they report and in their public presence, okay? And go to those people and give them the stories, the real stories, every now and then with a name on it. Mm-hmm. And you know who will wither away and die? The bad media who you do not give the stories to, who you do not give any attention to, who you do not give the time of day to. And because people will then gravitate to the media that they know. Right. They'll know that these four sites or five sites or whatever always get the actual story from actual the story horse's mouth the every time. Involved. Yeah. That is how you eliminate bad media. And I can tell you that I know it's not apples to apples or anything even close. Because in sports, there's far more good media than there is in pro wrestling, along with tons of bad media. But when it comes to the sports and the teams that I follow, uh, you know, I'll use the, the Rams as an example. Everyone knows I'm a diehard Rams fan. There is exactly one Los Angeles Rams reporter that I ever bother reading or trusting or going to when I'm looking for a Rams story. There's one. One. That's it. Why? Because... They always get it right. They get stories with people's names on them. And uh, they're, they're very obviously clued in to what's going on. And I trust them. And the rest of these random blogs and whatnot, they can't get any traction because. yeah, And that's the same thing would happen in wrestling. And maybe that means that people like us would be cut out. But you know what, Rich? We're going to be okay. We do nothing but continue to grow. Because, again, we're not dependent on news. So that's fine. I'm not even saying that I belong in some kind of inner circle or whatnot. That's not my point. Yeah, yet. I don't even know if I would want to. <laughs> I would probably say, Rich, yeah, you know what, Rich actually. Openly, just... Let me tell you something about Rich. He has openly been against doing news for the 12 years we've been doing this. He wants nothing to do with the it. reason why is the last 30 it. minutes of discussion we just had. I, I yes. hate it. I hate it. And, I hate and, talking and, to a guy and them saying, ah, K5 this, man. I'm like, all right, what, what the fuck? Rich man? has no patience <laughs> for it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. it you know, you, you look at our Patreon at any of the news that's up there. It comes from me because Rich doesn't want anything to do with it. 
So, um, you know, it, it, they it, the the wrestling business themselves are the ones that can end this. And, you know, what's starting to bother me too is the fake transparency. You know, that's that's another thing. Why have these media calls? Why have these scrums if half your answers are, that's a great question, but I can't talk about that. Great point. Why even bother? It, it, it did feel like at a time, AEW was going to be a little different than that. There, there was yeah, a time. It's the same old shit. Yeah, there was a time when those media calls, you know, weren't, weren't, a great source of news, but we're a source of news and, and, and AEW wrestlers and people in charge and, and whatnot were, would go on podcasts, would go on wrestling observer radio, would go on places and talk and, 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 and say some real, you know, substantial things. And, and there was times where even I had a media kind I know you did as well. We had media contacts in AEW where you could, you could ask them questions and, and the person would sometimes get back to you. And that, that feels so foreign, you know, it feels so long ago. I mean, I attended, uh, the all in, you know, pre conference, you know, before AEW even started, I attended some AEW things like that, that were like, all right, here we go. This is going to be a little different. Or he's not doing anything like this. They're not letting media come in and, and sit down with the guys and talk to the guys or whatever. And there was a little bit of kayfabe and stuff in there. There was a little bit of character work in there, but for the most part, it did kind of feel like, oh my God, we've kind of maybe turned a little bit of a corner here and boom, we're right back. And we're so far past it at this point now where it's like, yeah, it's just the same old thing and that's why so much of this drama and so much of these things and so many of the CM Punk crap is just because of that so much of it would probably be eliminated with a little bit of transparency a little bit of of, of whatever you know would it kill AEW right now to say CM Punk and and and, and Jack Perry have been suspended for 4 weeks per their conduct at the all in you know at, at all in uh, upon an investigation a, a a physical confrontation occurred uh, and both men have been suspended for 4 weeks uh, pending uh, further investigation the end you know what I mean? Like, end it right there. We don't even know how... Joe, do you know how long the Elite got suspended for after Brawl Out? They came no back clue. at full gear, but I don't know. What was their official suspension? Don't what were know. they suspended for? <laughs> Not sure. How long was CM Punk suspended for? Don't know. What was he suspended for? I We were never told. Were these men suspended? <laughs> Would this ever happen with the Jaguars? <laughs> right. Would Trevor Lawrence just be disappear and then randomly yeah. come back and nobody knows? Right. It's like yeah, it's you like know, week and five and you know, who's even that? Who's the Jaguars back pack? I was gonna say David Garrard. <laughs> Obviously, I'm having to retired for about fifteen years. So who, who's the current Jaguars uh, 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 backup quarterback? My I my Jaguars knowledge ends at David Garrard and Byron Leftwich. So I got nothing to help you with. Moving on. The, the Jaguars backup quarterback heading into this season. Yeah. Do you even know? I, I guess that's not good, right? I'll take a stab. CJ Beathard, maybe. Okay. I don't know who that is, but sure. Yeah. I guess it's only Trevor Lawrence. And if he's not around, then bad things are happening. But I just looked it up. It's CJ Beathard. Okay. So whoever the hell that guy is, if he just shows up week four, he's just slinging the ball around. Everyone's like, wait, where's Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> and they said, I can't. And they asked, you know, the, the coach, and they, well, we can't comment at, the, at this time. Like, everybody would think, well, what the fuck happened? Is this guy dead? Is he in drug rehab? Is he in, like, the same thing would happen. People would go nuts with, with, oh, my God, does he have, you know, and during the COVID days, it was a little bit easier to just say, oh, that probably means he has COVID or whatever. But, like, at this point, we're probably in, like, well, he's in drug rehab or he's got a horrible injury or he's dead or, oh, my God, what's happening? Like, what, what, what you know, is he okay? Is did, Was there a death in the family? What, what Like, people go, wild. If, if they went up to the podium and said, we have no comment, we can't talk. 
about, you know, <laughs> it'd be it'd be anarchy. It would be what you see in the wrestling media. It'd be insane. But luckily they go out there and they say, Trevor Lawrence has a sprained ankle, so he's out this week. And then you go, oh, okay. And then you move on with your lives. Yeah, we don't even know who's injured in that company. They just – people will disappear from TV and, yeah. and people will be like, why isn't – and a lot of times just because they're injured and that would, you know, even alleviate a lot of the criticisms towards the booking and everything else. And it's like I, – I don't know. It's uh, it's never going to happen, so I don't know why we're wasting our time. So It is. It's a complete and total waste of time. <laughs> it's just uh, – it's it's what you do in wrestling and it's, it's never going to change. Uh, and in some ways, and again, it doesn't really suit their interest in, in most ways to change that. So it won't, I mean, there's small ways. There's ways that Jesse pointed out. Um, they can eliminate a lot of this garbage media, but, um, or at least cut down on their influence because who is the consumer? You can't really even blame the average wrestling fan or the consumer for, consuming bad wrestling media because a lot of it all looks the same because there's no attribution or you, you know that that's the point we're kind of making oh yeah the media, media literacy i mean this this is a bigger discussion about media literacy among all people but but especially the wrestling media is, is very bad very bad where where yeah I, I have people all the time are saying hey who's the who are these guys and i'm like they, they, no, don't, don't, don't listen. This guy's just saying this. These people are just reporting this or whatever. Nobody knows what they're reading. Nobody knows who they're reading. Nobody knows. And especially in the in, in, in now the social media age, it's like, yeah, whatever. Whatever gets thrown up onto your feed, whatever the algorithm spits you, whether it be Twitter or a TikTok or Facebook or whatever, it's just like, yeah, that's that's what people read. So it's like guys that you know, and it doesn't matter how good your reporting is, it's how good you are at at working the algorithm. You, you know, and, and that's yeah, it's it's just it's Media literacy is terrible in <laughs> wrestling in all facets of life, but but wrestling in, in particular, like you said, w- without any strong ideas that, okay, these four or five people are the ones to go to every single time, they're always going to have the story, then yeah, why wouldn't you listen to wrestlingnews.net with seven Zs? Who cares? You don't know. You don't know yeah. the difference between wrestling news no, with seven Zs and handle. wrestling.co. whatever the fuck. Yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, it, it probably would help if all of us acted more professionally. And I'm certainly not leaving myself out of that. Um, I think from the top down, you know, outside of maybe Brandon Thurston. We all come across like a bunch of fucking clowns. Let's be honest. Um, you know, but again, if, if the wrestling industry helps set some standards, maybe that would change too. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, and also, before we move on and change uh, topics, uh, anyone, anyone who wants to claim that this is because we're no longer invited to AEW's media calls. Please stop that. We've done this segment for years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many times have we done this same exact segment? Okay. How many times have I come on here and ranted and raved about a lack of quality questions on all of these media events, even the ones that we were on? So if you think that's our motivations, you know, you're wrong. You're wrong. You know, the thing about that is I'm not even particularly that wound up about that. No, I don't care. I, now I know. Now I know where I stand, and it's, it's actually liberating. Like, okay, cool, great. Not, you, know, it, it, you know, but for me, 
I'm not even particularly all that wound up about not being on the calls. What bothers me the most is I know that we had subscribers who loved those breakdowns I would write. And that was something unique that no other outlet was doing. Every other outlet was just, and here's a free idea for anyone who's still invited to the calls. These other outlets are just would just throw up the audio in a post. I would sit down and write 90 minutes worth of analysis. I'd comb through the notes. I'd pick out the pertinent parts that I thought were important. And I'd give my opinions. I'd give some analysis. I'd break it down. And our subscribers really enjoyed that. And yeah, could I still do it later on after I get a hold of the audio? I could. But I'm going to tell you why I don't. I'm going to tell you why I don't and why I'm not going to continue doing it. Because let me pull back the curtain and explain to you what these media calls really are. Okay. It's a, I wash your back. You wash mine situation. When AEW or anybody invites you to a media call and we've been on media calls for impact and MLW and other companies as well. When you're invited to a media call before a pay-per-view or before a big event or before a new television show debuts or something like that, it's, it's, it's a trade-off. You as the outlet are being given access to the people running the company in the form of direct, the direct, the ability to ask direct one-on-one questions. Okay. In exchange the promotion, in this case, AEW, when they do their media calls for their pay-per-views, they are getting the coverage. They invite all these entities to their media call. All these entities go on the call. They ask their questions. They write their stories. They do what I do behind the paywall and analyze the media call. And and they're, they're doing, they're covering the event. And the promotion is getting the publicity that comes with that coverage. Therefore, if that's the trade-off, If you're not inviting me to the call, okay, I'm not giving you the publicity. I'm not covering the call. I'm not covering something you're not inviting me to. So that's just to explain to my customer base why I'm not doing that analysis anymore of the media calls. I, I can't. I cannot and I will not because I'm not getting my end of that trade off, which is the access, which is the ability to ask a direct question to Tony Khan. Okay. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And they keep sending us their press releases. Again, why? It's a press release. They want us to publicize whatever it is they're sending to us. And quite frankly, we probably shouldn't be doing that anymore either. But, you know, it is what it is. This isn't our first go around where a wrestling promotion has decided to be contentious with us. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'd be much more worried if all of these wrestling promotions were like buddy, buddy with us. That'd be a concern to me. I'd be like, all right, well, what am I doing wrong now? I don't think we've encountered a promoter who at some point didn't get mad at us. <laughs> quite honestly, Rich, that's a good that's thing. That's good. Yeah, or, or wrestlers. There's plenty of wrestlers who have gotten mad about us, and there's plenty of promoters that have gotten mad at us. And, yes, I believe that that means you're probably doing things right. If, if they're passionate enough about what you're saying to not ignore you, but to tell you that, hey, I think you're wrong or hey, I, or whatever, I, I take that as a badge of honor. 
I, I really do. And, and getting mad at us about what our, uh, you know, what, what our thoughts are, or our analysis, or our interpretation, or whatever, I, I take that as a badge of honor because most people, most of those promoters or wrestlers have have gotten mad at us, but then have you know later you know either still listen or followed up with us or or yeah, it's it's come not come out of their tree, right? Come right, out right. of their tree. It, it's look, it, it, that's just the way it goes. You know, you you can't. It, it's because sometimes you have to say things that they're not going to like. And and you know. And I think they understand that. And look, I don't. I don't care. I don't. I don't. I understand why they get mad sometimes. That's you know, I'd get mad too if I was in their position. <laughs> Imagine listening reading. to us. Imagine yes. you'd created something and then we come on here and talk about it and fucking destroy it. Yeah. Which, by the way, we're we're mostly we're more positive than negative, but everybody always remembers the negative things we say. You know. Well, of course, yeah. it's more interesting. Right. But. Um, and we don't exactly do it in the most couth way. I mean, <laughs> no. you know, because we, we're not, listen, we're not trying to be Woodward and Bernstein. We're doing an, we're trying to do an entertaining show. We're, we're trying to serve our listeners. We're trying to serve the people yeah. listening here right now. $10 yeah. here, flagshippatreon.com. You know, it's, uh, you know, so I, there's, you know, so I understand. But, um, you know, so just anyone who think, I mean, we've been having this same, we've done this same segment for years. While we were on those dopey little calls, which, you know, people are asking, well, why did they stop sending them? I don't know, and I don't care. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. I don't need to be on those calls to cover the company either. You know, if I want to hear the calls, I can go. Any those calls are available to everybody, an hour after they're done. So, um, you know, that's just. But but we had a couple people bring that up, and it's like. Oh, are you you know are you down on AEW now? It sure seems you know convenient, right? That now all of a sudden we don't like AEW because we're not on the media calls. I've been giving shitty. I've been doing shitty dynamite reviews this year since the beginning of the year, long before we got taken off the calls. So nothing for nothing. I think your cause and effect might be a little backwards here. I'll just let that one hang. I don't know why we're off the calls. But I, you know, I've been been critical of their year, uh, of their dynamites, long before we got taken off the calls. So maybe re-examine what you think the cause effect is here, if if that's what you think is happening. You know, with us not liking the main event at all in, which, by the way, aside from the main event, I said it was an all-time show, and people got mad at me for saying that. And said I was overrating the show. <laughs> so make up your minds. I'm either. I'm either picking on the company because I'm not invited to their dopey little calls or I'm overrating the shows or is it both? It's simultaneously it, both. Yes. I, you know, it's make up your mind. We're being paid by Tony Khan and also being shunned by Tony Khan. So we also hate his shows. We love his shows because we're being paid by him and we hate his shows because we're not invited to the calls anymore. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to make sure that that was, I mean, listen, longtime listeners know that this particular topic has been something that has bugged us and something that we have talked about countless times. But for anybody who's new, let us be clear. That is not the motivation here. Because I would do these same segments and then go on the call the next day. <laughs> right. Okay? I would do these segments. We would do these segments have, after the call. We would say, that call earlier call, today yeah, fucking that's sucked. That's usually what would happen. <laughs> that yeah. call was fucking terrible. What yeah, the I fuck is going here, on with these right. calls? <laughs> you make a better point. It usually it was after the calls. I come on here and bury all my colleagues 
And then I'd have other wrestling media people in my DMs being like, what the fuck's your problem? <laughs> right. Sorry, man. My computer wasn't working. <laughs> Those poor DMs. It was like, I don't know why you're burying me so much about the mute button. My computer wasn't working. You're like, my cat was meowing. I had to take care of her or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, I, you know, believe me, it's not just promoters who get mad at me and are slipping into my DMs. Trust me. You know, but again, I, you know, me, it's the listener first. It's always the listener first. Yeah. That, that's it. It's the listener first. That's who I am serving first and foremost. And really, you know, that that's what matters. And that's not and now and that's not me just kissing everybody's ass. That's what's most important to me. Anyway, do do, do we really want to break down the punk? I have no, no. interest in breaking down <laughs> no, the punk Jack. No, Curry no, thing. no. God no. God. So no. I apologize to anyone who wanted that. I I just I I I, I look. I, it, we can move on from here. I just, what I said to you at the top, Rich, uh, what's going to happen here? If Punk decides, he, when Punk comes out of his tree and he wants to come back, he's going to come back. Yeah, if there was any consequences. We'll, if, 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 and there might be people out there that truly believe, oh, this is it. Tony's going to really put his foot down now. They had a heated backstage argument and, and Punk said he wanted to quit or whatever. Punk's quit a hundred times. You know what I mean? That guy quits every week. It's like, all right. It, it, I, I, it, if this one has consequences, then great. I will be the first to say I was wrong, and unbelievably, this one had consequences, and AEW decided to finally put their foot down and have difficult conversations and 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 really try to get to the bottom of what's going on here and, and, and try to solve this ongoing issue that's been going on for a whole calendar year and probably going on a little bit longer before the actual explosion uh, at All Out 2022 with the, the, the little, little needling and the little back and forth and nobody really being super happy with Punk being there. Punk maybe not being super happy with a lot of the other people there. That had been going on for a while, and then it just all exploded at, at last year, you know, 360 days ago or whatever at All Out 2022. But that didn't really have any consequences. The only consequences were, oh, good, we have a Saturday show now, so we'll just put, put Punk on the Saturday show, and we'll keep these two parties away from each other. And the people that don't like each other can 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 separate, and eventually... Uh, they'll, everything will be fine and they won't fight again. Now, what happens when they're both on the same shows for pay-per-views or we have to film a Dynamite and a Rampage on this or a Dynamite and a Collision on the same night? Uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Well, and I, then, I think we just saw what happens. Right. <laughs> and then the, the idea was uh, uh, hopefully nothing happens. Well, something happened. Okay, well, now we kick the can down the road again and restart the clock and go, okay, well, now if we uh, – we'll, we'll put so, – so Jack Perry now can't be on Saturdays. We now know that. Okay, cool. Now we have another guy to add that can only be there on Wednesdays that has to be sequestered, that can't show up on Saturdays or whatever. And, like, if anything, if any of this ever had consequences, then fine. Then the next time this happens, we can discuss it. But I have no interest in discussing this when we all know that the goal is going to be avoid, avoid, avoid. We're not going to talk about it. No comment. Jack Perry will go away for an in, in undisclosed amount of time. CM Punk will go for away for an undisclosed amount of time. And then eventually CM Punk will say, okay, I'm ready to come back to work. And then he'll be welcomed back with open arms. And Jack Perry, his suspension will be done. And then he'll be back. And then life will go on. And then, like, as plug you said... The article, plug the article, Rich. Plug the article. Right. I, I, I plugged it. There. I, I talked about it today and, and brought 360 days later, one year later. Flagship Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. This has kind of been the company's MO for a lot of these things. It's just avoid, avoid, avoid. Instead of sitting down and getting guys in a room and saying, fucking figure this out. Or, 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 the, or the management of the company saying, okay, we got to figure this thing out. We can't, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> this can't keep happening. 
right? Like we they can't just keep ignoring the problem. It's it's and they do 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 and they have and they have and they have and and until that changes, that's gonna be our you know if you want to keep co- on happening, right? Like. I'm not going to come on the show and say, oh, here we go. It's now uh, this is going to be it for punk. I'm sure Tony's really upset now or, oh, you know what? They're really going to have to put down some 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 barriers here. No, they're going to do their little they're doing dynamite right now. And I'm sure they're not going to think about it this week. You know, this week, all that's going to happen in Chicago. Punk's not going to be there. They're not going to tell you why he's not going to be there. People are probably going to chance to see him punk while I'm there on Sunday or whatever. And and we'll just move it on. And then hopefully over time, people will kind of forget. And then whenever everyone's ready to come back, everybody will be ready to come back. And then. We'll do it all over again. Well, I think I think that might be more interesting to discuss. Is CM Punk destroying his reputation even among his fans? Um, all of this thing, I or... would say he's getting close there. I think you're you're the only people that are still sort of all in on Punk and yeah, this guy. It the list has got to be getting smaller by the day. It's it, the you know who it is the the vehemently anti elite weirdos. Right. Will always be. Will always find a way to defend any of punk's actions and but let's leave them out of this i'm talking about the common fan that used to buy a ticket to AEW shows in chicago because they really love cm punk they were there for the first dance whatever it was called they were there for you know punk's return and uh they're not really there now rich because this dynamite uh what had 3500 tickets sold tonight? Uh, they eventually uh, got to 4000 they they did uh, a ticket deals oh, buy one get one freeze family say. packs yeah the upper deck is closed i'm watching it right now the upper deck is closed Still a lousy number is my point a very lousy so, number yes so you know my point is has punk sort of lost those people is is has the punk exhaustion hit even his core base at this point you know um i think that's something definitely uh worth thinking about at minimum absolutely um, yeah I, I just can't and, i can't see how you would not be i mean i'm exhausted by it and i and it's kind of my quote-unquote job to come on here and just riff on the drama you know what i mean it doesn't really like it doesn't bother me one way or another it's good for business to be honest like i don't mind but like yeah. even i'm exhausted by it listen to the beginning of the show where i was like joe see a buck and you're like Argh. like even we're exhausted by it and it drives business and it's it's good content for a, a podcast but even i'm like i don't even want to do this again how many times are we going to do this how many times are we going to do this i i can't imagine that, that that it hasn't exhausted some people I agree. Um, And it's such a hard topic because it's such a polarizing topic, too, that, um, again, if you're not vehemently 100% against one side or the other, the other side. And that's they're doing, too. That's AEW's doing, too. Trevor Dame had. Yeah, and what did we warn about? Yes, we said this was going to happen. (laughs) We said, don't do this if you have a punk show and a non punk show. This is going to be uncomfortable for everybody involved, from 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 fans to wrestlers to people. Everybody is going to be in a very awkward spot now because it's going to be, oh, that guy's wrestling on Saturdays. Oh, all right. He must hate the elite then or whatever. And it was like we tried to say, well, it's not necessarily that, but fans bought into it. And then Punk started buying into it, talking about colliders and stuff. And that was always going to be how it was going to be, is that unless you were going to draw money with this, and eventually, the story was going to be Team Punk versus Team Elite, which I know one side wants it to be, and I know another side absolutely is never going to let it be. 
if that's the case, then okay, then it's then then maybe you could say that that splitting the fan base and saying oh there's a punk camp and then there's a an elite camp or whatever would be good for business. But we know that that was never going to happen. We know that what that that one side of that was never going to agree that that sh- that that they're going to let that happen. That is ever going to want that to happen. So so what you have now is fans that that have taken sides and are doing the thing like you said where where it makes an awkward situation for every single wrestler and every single oh that guy usually wrestles on Wednesday so he must be an elite guy and oh, oh powerhouse hobbs he's been on he's been on collision a lot so he's a he, he he's a he's a punk guy and then we had this miro thing and people were like I don't understand miro's been on collision i thought he was a punk guy and it's like oh my god this is they're doing though they have the only people that you can blame for that is AEW yeah and we and we saw it coming i mean i don't know who thought it would be a good idea to intentionally split your fan base. You know, look, I understand why CM Punk thinks it's a good idea to talk about colliders and, and come up with, you know, I'm a collider teacher. Yeah, he I'm wants that six versus teacher. six. He wants that team elite I, versus team punk match. Yeah, I could see why he thinks it's a good idea. I don't know why anybody running AEW would ever think it's a good idea to intentionally and to, to, to encourage, encourage splitting it. your own audience. Why would you encourage splitting your own audience ever? Why? And I, and I, and I said straight up on this show, I would have put a stop to that immediately. The collider stuff. I would have put a stop to that immediately. I certainly would have been printing t-shirts. I mean, you have to be kidding me. I mean, that's nonsense. That is so um, potentially self-destructive and contributes to all of this, you know, and um, yeah, you, you, the last thing you want to do is split your fan base. Why would you want your fan base to have animosity with any facet of your company? Doesn't make any sense. So yeah, you you have uh, day one AEW people that are now oh I don't watch Dynamite anymore because that's the elite show. I won't watch Collision because that's a punk show. (laughs) Or I won't watch Dynamite. Well, who's that? Who does that? Who's that good for? (laughs) Right. Nobody. Nobody. Um. So there's that aspect of it that it's punk beginning to kill his own drawing power to some extent. Um, you know, punk fatigue for a lot of people is real. Um, so there, there's other layers to this. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just really wasn't interested in breaking down some fight that none of us would ever <laughs> know the true details of. We're never going to know. We're never going to know. Well, and, th- according to Miro, we don't know the story. We don't know the full well, story, you know, so great. Miro, I, listen. <laughs> to be Miro. <laughs> Thank you. All of our DMs are open, pal. Absolutely. We're all ears. You know, put your name on it. I'll print it tomorrow. $5, please. No problem. Um, But you won't get that. And, you know, Punk and Miro allegedly having a fake argument. And then, you know. Why wouldn't people think it was real? (laughs) (laughs) With that guy, I would assume that everything. I I don't understand why it's so outrageous that people were were worked by this alleged fake argument that they had. Right? I mean, but who can believe anything at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they had a real argument. Punk is heated in the moment. Right. And then they talked over it and they they said, ah, let's let's say it. Put this fire out. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, and, Miro could be saying, "What the hell are you doing, man?" And Punk be like, "Get out of my fucking face! I don't need you, motherfucker!" You know, type of thing. Where yeah, yeah you're in a heated moment. Friends do you that pro- sometimes. You want to step outside too? Yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> right. And I could totally see them fooling around <laughs> and doing that. I could see both of those things being the case. 
Here's what I know really happened. Miro and CM Punk had that conversation. They're not even denying it. Where the difference comes in is they claim they were goofing around and Brian Alvarez's five sources claim that they weren't. But everyone concedes it happened. So, you know, that's another thing. And why is everyone go- This is so stupid. This is all so fucking <laughs> stupid. And this is exactly why I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Because I'm not, cha- I'm not going to chase every nickel on this one. I'm a capitalist pig. I'm not chasing every nickel on this one, Rich. I don't want nothing to do with it. Hey, did you hear? Um... Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I had a perfect transition out of this fucking bullshit. Do we have <laughs> please, any, um... please get us out of here. Do you have any ads or anything? Uh, you know, we, we, we don't have any actual, well, no, you know, sort of, we do have an ad in, in a way. I, I got something for you, Joe. How about this? Did you know the NFL season is coming up? It is. You're not, you are a giant NFL fan, right? So you of course know the NFL season is, is beginning very soon. We, uh, what, what would you pay? Hey, listen, I, I just gave you CJ Bethard. So, I must, <laughs> so I you must know, yeah, you know your shit. I gave yeah. you David Garrard and, yeah. and Byron Leftwich. So, you know, my uh, current NFL fandom at this point, but, uh, Yes. Season is beginning shortly, and you can go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash NFL shop to shop all of the brand new collection at NFLshop.com. Again, go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash NFL shop. They have a deal right now, 25% off your entire purchase using the code NFL score uh, going on right now. But all of the new merch is up there. The Crucial Catch Collection is up official caps of the sidelines. You got those NFL. Did you see those title belts? Those WWE NFL title belts that uh, came out. I don't. <laughs> the people were wondering. Oh my God! There's a Jaguars one. That's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but I, at last glance, and I'm scrolling right now. The Jaguars. You can no longer <laughs> buy the Jaguars WWE title. You can only buy every other team in the NFL. So if you want uh, really? your yes, yes, people are like, the well, truth? that is the truth. They, they, when they initially launched, the Jaguars belt was up there, and people said, "Well, that's kind of weird. I wonder if Tony's going to say anything about that." And then, weirdly, like a couple hours later, the the NFL Legacy titles, a partnership between NFL Shop and WWE, uh, the Jaguars title belt is no longer uh, no longer available. But uh, Joe, for a cool. $549.99 you can have your LA Rams WWE Legacy title belt. If you're a Bengals fan, a Legacy title belt. So uh, make sure you buy those because we get a little percentage of everything you buy. So uh, if you're going to buy that title belt, you know, God willing, uh, voicewrestling.com slash NFL shop is how you're going to want to do that. So that is uh, the NFL shop. Obviously, the NFL season coming up. We also have uh, partnerships with the uh, MLB shop as well. And the NBA shop. So new stuff coming up uh, around the here. So it's uh, voicesofwrestling.com slash NBA store. Uh, if you want to go there, everything going on at the NBA store. If you want to get ready for that, uh, an MLB shop. It's voicesofwrestling.com slash MLB shop for all the uh, MLB uh, gear you buy as well. So if you're going to buy from those, uh, if you're going to buy it at nbastore.com and, and, and nflstore.com and all those anyway, uh, make sure you use our links, voicesofwrestling.com slash store, voicesofwrestling.com slash MLB store and our, our shop. And then... Uh, VoiceRacing.com slash NFL shop. That's how you're going to want to do that. So uh, make sure you support us. It's also on the side of the website as well. If you don't remember those links, uh, if you just go to the side of VoiceRacing.com, you'll see them all there. But yeah, if you're going to buy your merch from uh, those stores, make sure you buy it with those links. Helps us out a little bit. So there you go. Did you, uh, uh, people loved 
our uh, people love the acclaimed, but they also loved our Terry Funk audio last week, Rich. We got uh, tremendous reviews on the uh, Terry Funk audio. Did you uh, listen to the Dave Meltzer Terry Funk audio this week? I did. He did. I did. Yeah. I. Um, you could feel the pain in his voice. You know, a lot of those uh, uh, stories, because, you know, uh, Meltzer was very close to punk. Uh, punk. Meltzer was very close to punk. <laughs> so you can't get him out of your head. Uh-oh. He's, he's there. Uh-oh. Reddit's going to run with that one. Uh-oh. Um, rear, rear, rear. So, uh, <laughs> I knew Meltzer it. Was... I always knew the Wrestling Observer was in the punk camp. <laughs> it's like Meltzer was very close to funk, and um, you know he got into a lot of the phone conversations that they would have, and, and he said he learned so much um, about the wrestling business from funk, and, and he just had a lot of great personal stories, the kind of stuff that we never could have done on, on, on what we do where we're kind of recapping a career and it, we, you know, I, but the one that really, um, you know, he told one story that I thought, um, man, it really, it, it, it was, it, it's hard not to be emotional. Cause he was, you know, the night Owen Hart fell down from the Kemper arena and died. Yeah. And he said that, uh, Terry Funk called him up and, um, was insisting he, he basically, wanted dave to tell him that it was an angle you know and, and dave kept telling terry it's not an angle you know i've, I've talked to every people there i've talked to the family and 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 terry was just uh stunned and just in just in shock and just kept repeating to dave it's an angle it's gotta be an angle it's an angle he could not accept that that was happening to owen hart who he knew from the time owen hart was a young boy and um and you know uh, from working stampede at that time and whatnot. But, um, you know, that was some story, uh, and, and one that I had never heard before that was, uh, that was very, and then, you know, another funny one was, was Brian Alvarez saying when he would call Terry Funk and, uh, and, 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 and Terry wouldn't answer the phone and it would go to the voicemail on the gimmick where it goes, you have reached the phone <laughs> of, and then the person says their name. And, um, and, and if you would call Terry Funk and get the voicemail it would say, you have reached the phone of Terry Funk, <laughs> you know, screaming it into the receiver the same way that my father does. Yes. My parents are the my same father. way too. Yeah. My parents it's, have that too, where it's like, you call and it's like, bah, bah, and I'm like, whoa, Jesus Christ. It's a phone. You, you don't have to hear scream. It in Terry Funk you can hear <laughs> right. that. As Alvarez Terry is story, Funk. You can, <laughs> yeah, you like... can you you can you can hear it, but uh, there was so much of Funk's career that like that that we that we didn't cover, and you know this week for the match of the week, you know I I, I knew I was going to do something, Funk, but um, I've also decided that I'm going to do Terry Funk matches every week until I get tired of it. So yeah, you can do it forever. Matches. Honestly, the, if the you match... could probably do it for two years, you could do straight Terry Funk yeah. matches. I, I want to do different types of Terry Funk matches, different parts of his career. And, and um, this week's was the uh, real world tag league final with the, uh, with the Funks against Bruiser Brody and Jimmy Snuka. That was the real world tag league final in 1981. And the reason that that one is significant is it was Stan Hansen's jump from New Japan to All Japan, with the backstory being, and and again, this is something one of the many things we missed last week because you cannot cover Terry Funk's career in a three-hour show, let alone however long we went. I don't even know how long we went. Um, you know, a portion of a three-hour. Yeah, show. we went about two, 
220 or so on Terry Funk, which is, is probably could have gone yeah. seven hours on Terry Funk. Yeah, we almost didn't even mention Onita or it, it just, you know, so um, so I made that the match of the week because it was one of the uh, major topics we didn't cover and the backstory behind that for people who don't know. And if you're a $5 subscriber, you can go watch the match and, and, and check out my write up. But um, the backstory there was, you know, Baba and Anoki, of course, were, you know, in the, in the middle of a war, um, rival promotions, and this was the heart of it. And uh, Anoki had just coaxed Abdullah the Butcher to jump from All Japan to New Japan for, I believe, $8,000 a week. He gave him a raise to $8,000 a week, which was enormous money at the time, which is actually pretty goddamn good money. Now. I would take that uh, today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> $8,000 uh, in what, 1981? Uh, let me, let me do the old. Yeah, let me do the old trend. Uh, let's see here. So uh, what is, what'd you say, $8,000? $6,000? $8,000 uh, $8, a week. 8000 Jesus. Yeah. You know, if that's a full-time job, that's $416,000 a year. Yeah, now, not bad. He Now, now the tours, they didn't tour 52 weeks a year, but you get the idea. 8000 a week was great, great, great money in 1980. Yeah, that is... Still... Holy crap, it's $26,000 today. <laughs> in in today's money, 26000 yeah. a week? Yeah, almost twenty seven, almost 27000 So Abby jumps from... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the Funks, you know, they they figured out a way to retaliate because they trained Stan Hansen for pro wrestling, uh, the Funk family. And so what Terry did is he brokered a secret deal, a secret meeting between Stan Hansen, who, of course, was a main event level talent for New Japan at the time, and Baba in texas he had them meet covertly at an airport in texas i think an airport and uh baba cut the deal and he matched he he doubled hansen's pay to the eight thousand dollars a week that that abby got to jump in the other direction and um and convinced him to to make the jump and this was a big surprise because hansen had wrestled three days earlier so Hansen goes back to Japan and works the next New Japan tour, knowing that he's making this jump to all Japan and this surprise appearance at the, at the tag league finals in December. So the, the all Japan tag final was December 13th. I think Hansen's last match in New Japan was December 10th, which was New Japan's tag tournament. If I'm not mistaken. And so he wrestled on December 10th for New Japan, and three days later he shows up at, um, I'm almost positive it was Sumo Hall for this. Um, I yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was. I, I could so, I could double check, um, but I'm almost positive it was. I'm checking now. Yeah, it was Sumo Hall. Um, so three days later, so when you when you watch the match, which we have posted with the write up, you know the the Funk Brothers come out first, and. You know, they get their incredible reaction. Gods. Yeah, literal gods in that building. And then Bruiser Brody's music hits, and it's that Muzak version of Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Son, which he, you know, used throughout his Japanese career. And he used it, I guess he used that song in a lot of American territories too. But, um, you know, so that song is is going, and it's kind of like 
I think most people know the the song, but this is like a Muzak version of it with like a brass orchestra and stuff. It's like a, you know, and they, they show, and I've watched this match a zillion times. And what always gets me about the match is the cameras are in like the bowels, the hallways of Sumo Hall. Yeah, they, they, they always did that too. And I love that about all Japan. It makes the matches feel so big, right? Like, and, um, the camera's just waiting for Brody and Snooker, who were two of the most intimidating wrestlers of that or any other era, to emerge from their locker room as the song is playing. And it's that, uh, you know, like, you can hear the brass section of your do-do-do-do, like that part of the song, everybody. And they come out of the locker room, Brody and Snooker, and it, 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 it almost makes them come across like herding elephants. You know, it, it, that's the image. It's like... You just have to watch to understand. Right. They're coming I out for that. war. They're coming out for warfare. <laughs> yeah, and the way that the instruments sound with the with the walkout song and and who is in tow? It's Stan Hansen. Right. There's a guy in a cowboy hat and the announcer. Yeah, I, I don't know anything else he's saying, but he goes, uh, Stan Hansen! Stan Hansen! He's, the announcer's going, he's going, Stan Hansen! Stan Hansen! He yeah. can't believe it. As they emerge from the tunnel, you know, uh Brody, Snooker, and Hansen. And I think the other announcer says, Stan Hansen here, like in English. Yeah, yeah. Like, Stan Hansen here. And the crowd, it's crazy because they all start to notice slow. Like, they don't all notice. Yeah, it, 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 it grows in the audience. Little by little, it's like people tell each other, oh, my God, is that Stan Hansen? Is that Stan Hansen? You know, you, you can kind of hear the buzz. Shit, that's fucking Stan Hansen. Yeah. You know? And, um, it's it's and he comes out and the crowd when everyone realizes it's him and the funks are selling it like they can't believe it you know and and you know they're pointing and they're like whispering <laughs> the each other row, and pointing, kicking like, the bottom row yeah here? they're, they're upset like, yeah and um you know so they have the match and you're just waiting for a spot right you know it's coming you don't know when and um you know the finish of the match is is uh you know funk is on dory is doing the spinning toe hold on Snooker inside the ring. And Joe Higuchi is all over it, like waiting for the submission, right? So his attention is just fixated on that. And on the outside, Brody is brawling with Terry. Brody, and you could see it coming. Hanson starts like rolling up his sleeve. Right? Starts rolling up his sleeve on the floor. Right, because he's a and, badass, uh, but he's still wearing a button-up, you know, <laughs> suit. Yeah. He's still wearing a, a, wearing a button-up button shirt, shirt and khakis or whatever with his cowboy hat, yeah. There's jeans. Or, or you know, je- yeah, I guess he had jeans on. Yeah, I guess he had jeans. He's rolling up the sleeve, and you know what's coming. And uh, Brody, like, Irish whips Terry in, and Hanson hits him with that Western Lariat, right? And uh, and Terry is just fucking dead, okay? That's all what, one spot. That's all it took. That lariat, that, you know, uh, the most protected move, one of the most protected moves of the era. You know, breaking Bruno's neck, beating guys. If he hits that, you know, the match is over. Which, by the way, Rich, I know you know this. Anyone ever kick out of Satoshi Kojima's Western lariat? Doesn't happen. Nope. And he and he got that from, 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 uh, from Hanson. Calls it the Western lariat. And... He won, Chris Samso would know this, he won something like a ridiculous amount of consecutive matches with the Western Lariat, and no one ever kicks that. Because it's like still one of the most protected moves there is. 
And I don't know if people know that Kojima got that from from Stan, that, you know, idolizing Stan Hansen. But he hits Terry with the lariat on the outside. And now what does that mean? That means Dory's by himself. Because Terry's not recovering from that lariat. You know? And um, Dory's doing his best to fight off these two fucking savages. He's doing a good right? job. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, a good little job. match. He's getting, he, he keeps getting just beaten down. He'll kick out. He kicks out. The, the crowd is all on his side, too. They're, they're, they're willing yeah. him to victory here. But it's, uh, it's not going and, well. Uh, he eventually gets to the point where he's got Snooker back in that spinning toehold. But Brody climbs to the top. And there's no Terry to cut him off. That's the key. So Brody breaks up the spinning toe hold. Moments later, he hits the King Kong knee drop. That's that. Snooka and Brody win the tag league. Terry's still laid out on the floor. They get their trophies. What do they do? They start beating Dory with the trophy. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. Hanson's putting boots to him, you know? So uh, Baba and Saruta, who were waiting for the result because they were still in the mix, you know, points-wise. It's just so well booked. I mean, man, I Rich, I needed to watch this match again after the All In match. <laughs> after the Brochachos and oh yes, no, you tried it your hard. No, bro, you tried your hardest, man. It's okay. This title doesn't God, mean anything this. to me. Here you go. Have the title if it means so much to you. I just want your friendship. Yeah, you didn't love that. You liked God. I needed this. You liked six fucking sweaty, grunting dudes beating the fuck out of each other and bleeding all over the place. You needed that instead. All right. This was basic. This was Terry from the grave reinvigorating my love for pro wrestling. You know what this was? This was A that gift. last scene. This was that final scene in Moneyball when Billy Bean, he lost again. He got the offer from the Red Sox that, he's pro- that he knows deep down he's not going to take. And he gets called into the – and Peter Brand calls him into the video room to watch Jeremy Brown hit the home run and Brown doesn't realize it's a home run and he falls down round in first base. Right. And then Bean gets that smile on his face. And he's like, how can you not be romantic about baseball? It took him right out of his slump and he remembered what he loved about the game. When I watched this match this week, it took me out of my slump from losing in the playoffs again from that all in main event. And I was like, how can you not be romantic about pro wrestling? I love pro wrestling, Rich Krejci. So they're beating this man with the trophies and Hanson's putting the boots to him. Baba and Saruta, they're not going to stand for this. So they get in there with their fucking all Japan jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. All right. Baba's and, fucking uh, limbs all over the place. That dude is the weirdest looking. Every time I see Giant Baba, I'm reminded of how weird he fucking is. But he comes in here and he's he's all limbs, yeah. just slugging away. He doesn't even care. He's just he is, punching. He's with his fucking ET shaped body. <laughs> right? and he's, he's just, just he's just pissed. Fuck this he shit. Is, and he is beating the snot out of Hansen. Beating the snot out of Hansen. Brody and Snooker have long since they, they long since hit the bricks. They they want no part of this. They're out of there. But Hansen and Baba, Baba's taking care of Hansen. And then Hansen finally. Hanson's a bloody mess. He, he, of course, he wore the white button up, so you knew that was coming. Oh, at yeah. Some point. oh yeah, oh yeah. So Hanson's bleeding all over the place, and he takes a powder and gets the fuck out of there. And Baba and Saruta, who've had their wars with the Funks, make no mistake, Rich Krejci, but they weren't going to stand for this, right? And then you think the angle's over, but it's not. 
then we got the camera in the back. Oh, what a scene. What a scene of those guys. The the the, the Brody Hansen and uh and why am I blanking on the what the, what the hell am I trying to say here? Brody Hansen and who the fuck? Why am I blanking right Snooker. now? Snooker, yeah. Of course. He's great in this match, by the way. Snooker. Um so good. I mean, when you see Snooker in all Japan versus what he is in WWF, night and day difference. He's so much better in all Japan. But uh they're backstage and they're Stan- Hansen is just a bloody mesh, just screaming. They're sweaty. They're spitting. They're snarling. They're bloody. It's like this is wrestling, man. Just going down a hallway, just going like, oh damn, god, oh, god damn. They're just so pissed about what's occurred. Yep, because they were thwarted by Baba and Saruta, and um, and then Baba's back in the ring, and, and it's just so great. You got and, media. And you thing. got media going up and asking Baba about what the hell's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And what was so great about it is it wasn't just this shocking jump. It wasn't just this great angle and great match finish and then great post-match and fans fucking going insane, squealing, not believing what they're seeing. But that set up a decade's worth of matches. You know, it really did. The the um, Hanson stuff with, with Saruta, Hanson stuff. Hanson then forming the tag team with Brody because, you know, Snuka eventually stops coming in and it becomes the Brody and Hanson tag team and their matches with the Funks, Terry Funk and Stan Hanson. It just set the table for the next decade, decade plus of matches and, and stories, you know, and when you look at it, it, there's nothing like super complex. There's no like swerves. Or misdirections. No brochachos. No brochachos. No trampoline parks. No kangaroo kicks. No no comedy fucking pre-tapes. They weren't eating Chinese okay. food. They maybe they probably ate Japanese food after that, but the, the, the ramen wasn't too spicy for Stan Hansen. You know, we don't know if it was or not. We don't care. Yeah, and and it just was so great. And um you know, I really needed to re re rewatch and relive that match i've seen it you know you say a hundred times probably reality two or three but you get the idea and it was just uh it really helped me this week because i i i was really losing faith man i i and um i'm just gonna do fun telling people right now i'm doing funk again next week and 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 i'll tell people the match i'm doing i'm i'm doing um it's really more of an angle than a match i mean there is a little match that goes along with it but um it's going to be a different era. Uh, again, a Funk's career. I'm going to do stuff, you know, so that that handles, you know, like late 70s, early 80s, all Japan style, Terry Funk. Uh, next week, we're going to Memphis, Rich. And um, uh, the match of the week is going to be when uh, Jerry Lawler brings Terry Funk into town after all the wars that they had as an ally to... Um, to team with him yeah. and Coco Ware in the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah, I, I watched this not that long ago. Good stuff. And and he brings Funk in, and this is the famous, are you a sissy promo? <laughs> yeah. Where he, where he questions whether uh, Jerry Lawler is a sissy, and then, he, then, he, then he's questioning Lance Russell. Lance Russell, are you a sissy? 
I know Jerry. No, I'm not a sissy. I'm not a sissy Terry. <laughs> oh, no, Terry. No. Oh, Terry. No, I'm not, I'm not, not saying a sissy I want to Terry. You, but I'm not a sissy Terry. 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 Yeah, Terry. I'm not a sissy Terry. So Terry does this great. This is this is unhinged. Well, wait, Terry but phone. did they play video games at any point during this or what? They didn't play any video games. Interesting. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, then uh, he and, and Lawler and Coco Beware, they have a very short match against <laughs> Jesse Barr. Who, who, ironically enough, Jesse Barr later on, Jimmy Jack Funk. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah so yeah. Jesse Barr and the Marauders, the masked Marauders who. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like their chances. I don't like their chances in that match. Well, you know what? You should because they won by disqualification. Wow. Because Terry Funk <laughs> beat them all with chairs. But um, Jesse Barr at this time managed by a very young Jim Cornette. And this was the famous angle where now Funk, who's just doing his wild man routine, he uh, he spots Cornette and he goes, I see a sissy! And he's chasing <laughs> right. him around yeah, the yeah. fucking building. He's a sissy and he's right. And that's a sissy. He should chase him. And Cornette's running from him. Like, you know, because <laughs> Cornette you know, finally catches him. Because Cornette's well, a sissy Coco. and he knows he's a sissy. And he's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> And his whole thing is, I hate sissies, you know. And he, he, he Coco Ware catches him, Cornette, and Funk rips the pants right off of his body and right down to his fucking little fucking underwears, his little tidy whities. So uh, that was a uh, a famous angle from Memphis where he came into team with Jerry Lawler. So I'm just letting people know now that's going to be the match of the week next week, and I'm just going to keep doing Terry Funk. Hell yeah. Until I run out of Terry Funk to do, which might not be ever. I mean, there's just so much Terry Funk that can be done. But, um, yeah, the match of the week, you know, $5 tier. I do a nice little write-up for all the matches. You get a video and uh, and then some discussion on the Discord in one of the non-crazy rooms, you know. Yeah, a very, a very normal room where very normal, very normal discussions, normal discussions uh, taking place. Uh, take place. Yeah, that's available, as, as you said, $5 tier, uh, flagship patreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling uh, or voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. Plenty of stuff uh, up there right now as well. Uh, of course, the instant reaction live, as I mentioned, for all in London, that is on our $10 tier. You got audio uh, or the YouTube replay. Uh, is up there. Uh, I have my piece on Brawl Out one year later. That is up there as well in the $10 tier uh, written piece about where AEW's gone, you know, the, the years since, what led to Brawl Out, and what we've seen since then, which has been a lot of avoidance and nothing, and, you know, bookended perfectly with what we saw this week. Uh, so that is up there. Uh, a brand new episode of the AWF series, the American Wrestling Federation's uh, Freedom of Choice uh, series. Paul Alperstein's. Uh, uh, horrific attempt at a uh, national TV uh, product in 1994-1995. That is a new episode coming up about 90% done with that. Just have to kind of edit some stuff and put the last little touches on there. Sky's the Limit, my series on the Cruiserweight Classic is up there as well. Uh, The Thursday Dynamite reviews up there in the $5 tier. And then, of course, uh, which leads us in perfectly to what I think our next topic will be, uh, All Out this weekend. Instant Reaction Live for AEW All Out coming up Sunday night. Now, this one's going to be a little different than our usual ones because I'm going to be at All Out. So uh, probably won't be instant. It'll probably be about an hour after the show. So you'll have to kind of stick with us there. But, uh, yeah, when I, once I get home, we'll fire it up. We'll do it. We'll talk about it. So that, that might be good. That, yeah, that might actually be a decent yeah, well, time. Who, uh, who else Who else are you going to listen to? Do you really want to hear? Should I start rattling off some names, You can make vague. <laughs> you can be vague about it if you'd like. I don't want to, you know. Everyone knows who we're talking. You want to hear these other goofy shows uh, recap the show? No. Or do you want to wait a couple minutes longer 
and listen to the best. Right. So do that. We'll so do so it like we always do. Ten dollar tier. You just have to wait a few a few more minutes. That's all. Right. Right. Probably about about an hour. But yeah, who knows about United Center traffic? But uh, hopefully, you get home. Do that. Uh, we'll do instant reaction live for AEW All Out. Uh, that is uh, again on our ten dollar tier. Uh, subscribe now so you don't have to do it at the last second. We always get those. We're we're live, and then pe- we get like five people to subscribe right when we're live, and it's like just do it before. Like, why are you going to miss yeah. even a second of the show? Especially now that we're going to be doing it an hour after the show, you have absolutely no excuse just to sign up today. Yeah, why scramble? Yeah. Just do it now. Stupid. Don't do that. You know? And then you can and then then throughout the weekend you can listen to all all of our other stuff. And I will have a uh, a written recap as well of the AAW show that I'm going to tomorrow because I'm going to that. That's obviously why we're doing this on Wednesday. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Uh, so I'll have a written recap about the indie show that I'm going to AAW uh, Never Say Die. Uh, that will be uh, tomorrow uh, from the Berwyn Eagles Club. Not, I don't believe that is streaming anywhere, so I'll have kind of a live report uh, and review about everything that happened on uh, that show. So plenty of stuff available there on our Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon, and flagship patreon.com. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, let's talk about all outs. Joe, we uh, Dynamite has wrapped up 
Uh, I listened to it on mute, so I can't tell you how good of a show it was. I was kind of watching on in the background or whatever. But we do have a relatively put together card for for uh, <laughs> for all out. I will uh, I'll read what we have for you so far. And again, without you know, neither of us have actually watched the go home show, so uh, probably not going to be extensive breakdowns. Also, there was an AEW pay per view <laughs> just a couple of days ago, so it's like, what do you want us to really say about a lot of these matches? I'm just going to kind of go over the matches. We can you know briefly talk about them. Uh, and then uh, that will be our AEW uh, All Out preview. So, uh, Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen. We knew about that match for the AEW TNT title. Uh, Luchasaurus defending the title against Darby oh, Allen. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. We have the whole card here. Uh, well, I know nothing. I, I define I, full I, card. I don't know. I don't know what Tony uh, has in store for Rampage. I'm giving you everything we know after okay. Dynamite today. Lay it on me. Okay, so you got Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen TNT title. We knew that. That match was good. That that match is announced weeks ago, yeah. so we knew that one. So, uh, I assume Darby's going to win the title there, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, Christian Cage, his reign as not the champion, but kind of the champion. Uh, will it end here at uh, at all out? We'll find out. Uh, there, Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. I think we knew about that match as well a couple of days ago. So we got Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Chris Stantlander defending the TBS title against Ruby Soho. So those three matches were all ones that we knew uh, ahead of time. We now have an official AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy defending the title against John Moxley. Orange Cassidy faced Penta on Dynamite. He defeated Penta in the main event. And uh, him versus Moxley for the AEW International Championship. Kenny Omega versus Konosuke Takeshita. We knew about that match as well. Presu- I, well, I was going to say presumably that's your main event, but I think there's another match that might actually be your main event. We'll talk about it in a sec. But you got Omega uh, versus Takeshita. This uh, just announced today, eight-man tag match, Bullet Club Gold, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, Jay White, and Juice Robinson versus FTR and the Young Bucks. Mm. Really, uh, are, are, they, are, are they colliders? Are they team elite? We're going to well, find out here this they Sunday. Didn't, they didn't shake FTR's hands at the pay-per-view. They did not. So I would like a some sort of uh quality explanation as to why this is happening again i haven't watched the show right we haven't watched so, dynamite um, um so i guess we'll see better than you baby adam cole and mjf defending their roh tag team titles against tbd that tbd is going to be a uh they're doing something on rampage i forget somebody in the notes chat will let me know that was actually watching the show some sort of gauntlet royal something or another on rampage to figure out what team is going to face better than you Bay Bay at uh at all out so there uh, you go. what's this main event that you think is well i don't know i think that might be the main event well wait Cole those are MJF. all the matches no no there's one more i don't think this is the main oh. event though <laughs> maybe it's my main event but i don't think it'll be the main event of all out uh samoa joe defending the roh world tv title against shane taylor what he won some tournament like a month ago that they forgot about. And now they're like, oh, okay. it's time for Shane Taylor to get his title shot. It's like, oh, all right, cool, great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like Shane Taylor. I'm fine with it, but seems like that one was slapped at the end of that uh, card. It does kind of feel like that was slapped together. So, uh, yeah, um, the, the rampage thing. I'm, I'm trying again. Somebody in the know of chat will probably let us know. Again, we're recording this as it's going on, but there's a battle. A, sorry, uh, Rich- it's a battle royal. Battle royal. Oh, I'm stunned they're doing another battle royal to determine a contender. <laughs> I am stunned. 
I will tell you this uh, on Rampage. No spoilers though, because it's obviously happening as we're speaking. Uh, Hangman Page. So you you always you know you're always like, hey, where's Hangman Page? Why is he never wrestling? Why is he never wrestling singles matches? Where is he? He is wrestling a singles match, Joe, on Rampage. Okay, great. Against who? Brian Keith. Brian Keith. Brian Keith. That's some cowboy shit. That is some cowboy shit right there. Brian uh, Keith should pin him clean in the middle. <laughs> just beat his ass. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Hey, you know, I um, like it. Brian Keith rocks. You know, I, I did notice, though, that uh, you did not mention. Surely you must have forgotten or overlooked it. What's uh, Hangman Page's match on the paper? Um, he's not on the pay-per-view yet. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yet. <laughs> Ah, yes. Could he be? <laughs> Maybe. Will he be? Probably not. But at least he breaks up his uh, his eight month no singles match streak here against Brian Keith on Rampage. All right. Um, that's the pay per view. That's the pay per view, Joe. Okay. So I don't, I don't so, know what that team. I I assume whoever wins that ROH thing, I guess you got to put the Brochachos in the main event there. Ah, yes. But uh, yeah, not not. Everybody was kind of like, well, I don't know. They're good. They have to put these two pay-per-views back together, you know, back to back. We'll see. I mean, I'm going anyway. I don't really care. It'll be a fun show no matter what being there live, but not a bad looking show. It's not bad, but I I get how some people might go, ooh, that might not be worth, you know, paying a hundred dollars this month or $120 this month to buy two pay-per-views. So it seems a little skippable. We're being told Eddie Kingston and Shibata versus Claudio and Utah. Has been announced as well. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, that's not a bad pay per view. Now, a lot of the matches seem like they just kind of came together rather quickly. They did. But I need to watch the show. I can't. I can't break this down without watching the show. Right. 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 Um, me, me as well. I had it on. I had it on mute. I can't exactly say. I will say that the final segment of the show uh, was Cassidy and Moxley doing a stare. You know, a, a pretty big stare down. So maybe that is going to be. Your, I your, was gonna say your that main event, like the main event. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that is, maybe that is. And Mox is gonna win, and um, I think it's time. The Orange Cassidy title run has been one of the best things in wrestling this year, and um, it's simplicity in all the right ways. It's just a guy, a baby face who doesn't turn down any challenge, and he just goes out and has good matches all the time every week and his body is slowly failing him because of the beatings he's taking in these matches over over time and it's going to catch up to him versus the worst person possible for that to catch up with and that's being in there with a heel john moxley right so right. I, I think this is the perfect time to do the switch yeah and he really won via roll-up uh, cassie won via roll-up on pentagon pentagon had him pretty much on the ropes and he just caught him for a second got the one two three yeah. but yeah the kt tape is 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 exponentially growing and and on orange cassidy's body and yeah the idea there that is is, is he's breaking down physically and uh yeah I, i'm with you i think moxie's probably catching him there uh, and winning the title that, that's probably the right choice i mean this cassidy thing i think, I think has I gone think it on it feels like the right time to me right it feels like the right time and that's the right guy too that, that's the right guy if you lose to john moxley there's no shame in losing to john moxley if, if, the, if the end result is that you move orange cassidy up the card after this which you should probably do uh given you know orange cassidy's you know what, what he's proven over the last year or so yeah moxley's the right guy to have him lose to where, where you lose the title but you you move up the ladder and, and i think that this is probably the right time to do that and cassidy's stable as a performer and a person and yeah I, look 
it's shocking that like the bastion of old school wrestling in this company is, is orange, orange cassidy, cassidy. <laughs> freshly squeezed orange Can cassidy you believe it it's yes crazy. I, I if you would have told me uh, three years ago orange cassidy would be the you know yeah a lot of the other guys in the company would be doing wink wink nudge nudge haha pro wrestling stuff but the the real bare bones professional wrestler of the company is going to be freshly squeezed orange cassidy i uh i don't know what i would say yeah. i don't know what I would that's say. how this has all played out that's right. fucking wild to me but it's the reality <laughs> right. you know it's uh that's really what we're dealing with here at this at this point. Everybody else is going to have uh, melodrama, but you know who's just going to go bell to bell and work his ass off in every single match? Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Like his hand is all fucked up, so the orange punch isn't as effective. Like, it's just great He can't stuff, even. Oh, you, know? you, you should have saw on Dynamite. I, and again, I don't know if they were mentioning on commentary. He couldn't even slap. He was trying to chop Penna, and he couldn't even do yeah. it. He was just hitting him with the yeah. back of his hand, and Penna's just like, that's, what are you doing, man? It's not going to work. It's just so good. And, um, you know, this this feels like the logical conclusion to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, just on paper without seeing the one-week build, it, the, the, the card looks pretty good, but I, I need to see how some of these matches came together. Yeah, yeah. Um, quickly. I will say quickly is how most of them came together. So. Very quickly. The yeah one-show build of this uh, pay-per-view. And look, they're going right back to the well and doing it again next year. So I think it's because Khan wants to take advantage of um, the three-day weekend for Wembley that occurs at that same time every year. He mentioned that at the uh, press press uh, conference deal. Um, there's some kind of uh, holiday, so it makes it advantageous to run Wembley on that particular weekend. Now, why you can't move all in? Back, I don't know. Well, I, I guess so there's the Labor Day weekend then. Then you come back to America, and yeah, then we right, have a weekend. You're right. So yeah, that I think that's right. the problem. Is they have a weekend, the weekend, then we have yeah. a weekend, and it just kind of works out pretty well that you can do a Sunday pay-per-view in Chicago, you know, and, and he tends to, you know, if, if you look at AEW's booking, he tends to be, you know, near Chicago on most holidays. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving, yeah. we're always in Chicago. The Thanksgiving Eve, that Dynamite is always in Chicago. So, yeah, there, there's, there's, you know, there, I think there's a reason for that. I, I think, obviously, given his family connections and where his family lives or whatever, that makes sense that Chicago would be his home base for, for most of the holidays or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of been a consistent thing. Uh, throughout the company so yeah i would assume that yeah. the same thing is going to happen next year that they'll do the bank holiday weekend or whatever uh in london and then we'll come back to labor day weekend here in uh in america this weekend so well he says that the the all-in pay-per-view did very well and is going to be one of the bigger ones the company has done in over a year um so if that turns out to be accurate and he he typically does not try to misdirect people when it comes to the pay-per-view buys in those in those pressers um you can kind of read between the lines and tell when it's not going to be a big one by the way he phrases it. So if he's correct and there's no reason to believe he's not being truthful, uh, it's interesting that the afternoon pay-per-view didn't negatively affect the pay-per-view buys. Now we'll find out if coming back a week later negatively affects the pay-per-view buys for All Out. Um, he has made it a point to say that with the gate that All Out has already done, plus the mountains of money that they made it all in um that he made the exaggerated point that even if not a single person buys the pay-per-view this week it's going to be a profitable show but um you know i i feel like if the pay-per-view does tank and do like does like eighty thousand buys or something okay they might have to rethink the strategy of holding these two shows so close together now or, or rethink the strategy of how you build to these two shows which was essentially right. Build all in, 
sprinkle some all out stuff in there every so often and then do a five day build to, to all out, which is probably going to end up not being the right call. The, the counter argument would be, well, if you're going to sell over 80,000 tickets every year, a week earlier, you're not really concerned with cannibalizing pay-per-view buys a week later. And I can understand that too, to a degree, but um, I would think that the idea would be to maximize your pay-per-view sales and your ticket sales on all of your shows to the best of your abilities. And if, it's clearly cannibalizing the other show. I think it might be something they have to look at the following. For sure. But, for sure. I mean, I guess, you know, we're going to find out. My, my, listen, I feel like it's going to do fine. You know, it's going to do, let me, okay, let me rephrase that. I feel like this pay-per-view is going to do whatever this lineup was going to do regardless. Right, right. If, if this, if you throw this exact same lineup on September 22nd or whatever, or, or you know, th- throughout a random, I don't know what the hell the weekend is in September. Yeah. Let's say September 24th, September 24th. There we go. I think you're getting the same buys. This is the card itself doesn't lend itself I to, I think, record setting pay-per-view buys in any way, shape or form. 120,000 type stuff that they've been doing before. I don't know. This one, this feels like 100,000 to 80,000 pay-per-view by type of pay-per-view. That's one perspective. The the angle I'm coming at it from is, yeah, these shows are a week apart, but on the vast majority of cable bills, they're going to be on different bills because one was in August and the other's in September. So, the idea that it's, oh, my God, people are going to have to spend $60 two weeks in a row. It's going to be on two different bills, though. So I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily buy into the idea that people are going to balk. at Like, like if the shows were on back-to-back days or if they were both in August or both in September, I think that's where budgets come more into play. So when people get their cable bill, it's going to have all in. It's not going to, and then their September bill is going to have all out. It's not going to be on the same bill is what I'm trying to say. So I think whatever this card was going to do, it's going to do regardless. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I think what they really also need to, what we're really going to be able to zero in on now too, is their domestic ticket sales. I mean, that's something that has kind of been swept under the rug with all of the hysteria and celebration of the uh, the the most you know however Tony phrases it the largest uh, the most tickets ever sold for a pro wrestling event in history which is the truth. Um, Jericho, but, on the, uh, he did a dynamite uh, promo and said that's a shoot number by the way. So kind of you know taking a, a little yeah. bit of a dig. And there. I believe them. I don't. I don't think he's going to lie. About, I don't think he lied about the number. No, I don't, I, think I, he wants I don't to think set that precedent. And if you legitimately have the record, there's no reason to lie. Why give people an angle to attack you if you legitimately have the record? So um, I believe them, and I think that'll come out in the wash, and it, it'll come out, you know, they have, they've got the record. Much to the chagrin of the world's dumbest people, they have the record. So um, Again, when, when you can ape s- for Vince McMahon or, or, <laughs> or the North Korean yeah. government, you just have to. Just you have just got to. Gotta. Yes. You just got to. When, you, when, uh, when, when, the, when the, the, the historic... Uh, you know, legacies of the North Korean government are, are are challenged. Then, then yeah, you gotta you gotta let people know. No, 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 hold on a minute. Let's give some credit I mean, to North Korea instead. <laughs> Come on. How much of a dunce and a loser do you have to be to still hold up these fake WWE numbers? <laughs> yeah, hold on a minute. When Kim Jong Il. I, I think we need to give on. a little credit here to Kim Jong Il. <laughs> no, 
no. Hold on, hold on. When your Lord and Savior, Vince McMahon, admitted that the numbers are fake himself, and yet you will still hold up these numbers and claim how stupid right he goes on his and calls how much of a dunce do you have to be and tells his shareholders i'm lying about the numbers for yeah. entertainment purposes <laughs> right they're lies here when are the real documents. numbers i'm giving you the real numbers now on tv we say the fake numbers brandon thurston has documents and emails from wwe officials telling people who run buildings the numbers you're giving us aren't big enough. Find more people that we can <laughs> Right. Count the ushers. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have we counted the ushers and the people in the boiler room yet? Please do that. This if not so. This number's not going to work for us, brother. Can you please come up with more people? <clears throat> like, you know. So they have the record. It's not even worth discussing or arguing about. But my point here is kind of lost in the sauce is their domestic ticket sales. They just did 4,000 people for a Dynamite in Chicago three days before all all out that's awful um grand slam is sitting at about five thousand tickets last year at this time it was a it was at around ten thousand the year before it sold out instantly so you know we talk year over uh year with grand slam and then also collision in many of the same weeks currently has more tickets out than the dynamites which it wasn't that way at the start of collision and collision isn't exactly on fire either. So it's not like collision is the some red hot show and you're like, Oh, well collisions red hot. No, well it's not. Um, so what you really have to pay attention to now are, can they turn around their domestic ticket sales? Will Wembley have some kind of an effect on that? And has this latest CM punk eruption have had a negative effect on that and mitigated it to some degree. These are all questions we don't know the answers to. MJF and Adam Cole, they get pops in the buildings. They pop the quarter hours. The advanced ticket sales for Dynamite are not good. They don't reflect a hot program. They do not reflect a hot program. Now, we had the same conversation for two years regarding the bloodline. It took over two years for the bloodline to really catch fire. Okay? And um, short of hiring Sami Zayn to come help this thing, sell some tickets we might have to just wait around and the idea might be well if it's hot in the buildings and it's hot on social media and there are hot segments on tv that pop quarter hours virtually every time that we put it on on the show eventually that's going to reflect in ticket sales right and that might be true right but we don't know and what I'm saying is the Cole MJF thing feels like it's something hot. But the reality is, has it drawn any real money yet? The answer to that is no. Will it down the line? Maybe. Maybe it will take time before it reflects in the house shows. But again, this is something where this is what I will be paying attention to moving forward. And I'm also going to be keeping an eye on the team. Is it going to stay hot as a quarter hour mover? We don't know that either. Um, but they're going to stretch it out and they're going to see. I mean, this thing isn't, isn't ending anytime soon. Unless there is a drastic shift in direction. I can promise you that. 
So um, if you're into it, that's great news for you. There's a lot of brochachos in your future. If you hate it, but you like the rest of what's going on in AEW, you're going to have to hold your nose. They're going to see this thing through. <laughs> yeah, strap in. It, it ain't ending on, on Sunday, I don't think. Yeah, they're going to see this thing through. And, um, you know, it's, it's not going to get any less goofy either. The goofy aspects of this are not ending until someone turns on the other guy. That's the bottom line. So, well, and we we talked about it a little bit on on Sunday, but yeah, the idea because a lot of people are like, well, now you know, now what's going to happen next? And it's like, well, we don't know anymore. Now, what happens next is we we've passed the point where any of these guys can say, ah ha ha, it was my master plan to to draw you in or whatever, because that would have made sense on Sunday if Adam Cole, if Roderick Strong came out and hit MJF in the back and Adam Cole pinned him, Adam Cole could have said, ah, ha, ha, it was my master plan to kind of get you on my side so that I could turn on you or whatever. Or if MJF on the flip side did that and said, oh, you know, I hit you with the dynamite ring, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the ring. And, and, you know, now, you know, I, I got you on my side and I said you were my friend. I never really cared. And I, we're past that point. You can't do it. Now they look like absolute geeks. If in five weeks MJF goes, ha, 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 it was all part of my master plan. It's like, what are you, what are you doing now? We, we've passed that point. So, yeah, there's a whole new story now. So anybody asking, oh, what are they going to do next or what's the follow-up? I don't know because now we're telling – we're extending the story beyond what I would have ever thought the story would have been. And we're extending it beyond what I would have ever done with the story to the point where now it's like, now whatever turn they do is going to be something different. It, it, we're past the point of, ah, ha, ha, my master plan because now you're an idiot if this is your master plan. Your master plan sucks. You had a chance to you know, win the title numerous times on Sunday and neither of you fuckers wanted to win the title. So the master plan is gone. We've moved past that point. Welcome to the Brochacho line, brother. This right. is the bloodline. This is just, you know, and they've got the side characters to to stretch this thing out. Roderick Strong and the, the kingdom. kingdom. Yeah. It's that's what this is. And um, I'm not going to take another victory lap on it. The people who know I was right know I'm right. They won't admit it. They won't give it to me. But everybody knows I was right now. Everyone knows. Um, so I'm going to be humble. I'm a humble guy deep down, Rich. I'm not boisterous. I don't like to brag. I don't like to uh, point out when I'm correct. Uh, the people who know, which is everyone at this point, knows I was right about that. And that's what this is. It's the bloodline. So, uh, you know, I, I, I will say this. It, I do know that a lot of this is planned out months in advance. It's not like they're flying by the seat of their pants. I get the sense that in WWE, the bloodline is just a week-by-week thing. All right, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do for this pay-per-view? I don't think they think any longer than the next pay-per-view, um, honestly. This one, I you know, MJF's put a lot of thought into this and it's, it's going to, you know, it's, it's, it's all laid out. And, you know, it, it feels from that standpoint, if you're into it, um, it will be carefully crafted and whatnot, but um, you know, I obviously not for us. Um, I don't even know how it's possible that, but I think I hate it even more than you do. And I know that you can't fucking, stand <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, I, you were apoplectic about it. I, I am, I think I am. it's awful. It's, it, and I just kind of go, fuck this sucks. shit sucks. You are apoplectic. It, it's like, it's like challenging your wrestling fandom. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> Multiple points. it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It, is, it made me question everything. You, you need I, giant I, Baba I throwing him. his ET arms at Stan yeah. Hansen to break him open, to get you back into wrestling. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and yeah, generally I enjoy the rest of AEW. Do I think AEW is like a great company? I don't. I Do I think it's been better in the past? Absolutely. But do I, in, in, do I generally enjoy it? I do. Um, there's obviously massive problems there and, and, you know, um, 
that we've relitigated a thousand times, but uh, this stuff at the top of the card is just it's putrid. There's it's it, it there's zero redeeming uh, qualities to it in my mind. It's everything I don't want in pro wrestling. It's everything WWE has been giving me for 20 years that has driven me from that company. So no, I have nothing good to say about it. Um, but I, I also recognize that um, completely melting down on audio on the TV reviews every week and on pay-per-view reviews and on this show is going to get old really fast. So I, I from from that standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm, like like today I'm in a much better place than I was on fuck. The way I'm talking is like someone I know fucking passed away. Or <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus it's Christ. Just, it's just fucking wrestling, Joe. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it, I hate it that much, though. It's, yeah. It's, no, I, it, I, it, I genuinely it's... hate it that much. It's that off-putting to me. Um, And, you know, anyway, whatever. But, um, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, we reconvene on, when is the show? Saturday Sunday. or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday. Uh, one more, one more match without the NFL. Yes, yeah, last Sunday without the NFL. One more match added: uh, Eddie Kingston and Shibata versus Claudio and Wheeler Utah. Motherfucker! I told you that ten minutes ago. Oh, did you? Unbelievable! <laughs> you know I can't what? listen to everything you say. Come on. Now I know how Brittany feels. Like she'll tell me something, <laughs> and, you're just... and then ten minutes later I'll be like, "Hey, did you remember?" And she'll be like, "I just fucking told you." <laughs> can't listen to everything joe says do not listen to me and i'm like honestly a lot of times at this time at this particular time i did not know this i'm I'm like i'm like listen brit it's the bottom of the eighth the pirates have two on (laughs) i may have been i'm in a pennant race i'm 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 honestly just a hun you to death at this point you know you can't talk to me when the reds are on you can't um the nurse did a run-in maybe it was during the nurse run-in i went on mute for a sec to uh, deal with the nurse but uh um AW All Out, uh, the uh, ticket sales per WrestleTix. Uh, right now, uh, two days ago at least, I should say, uh, 9,131 tickets distributed for the United Center here. Uh, they're setting up for 10,564. Uh, now, to compare that to the last time that they were in the United Center uh, for, obviously, AEW Collision, the re-debut of CM Punk, uh, was 9,280, so they're still not quite there. They'll probably get there. I think they'll get over they'll that. Get that's, that's, get that's 100 more tickets. They'll sell that for sure. Uh, and they've already blown past last year's All Out at the Now Arena, which was 9,039, plus ticket yeah. sales, or ticket prices, I should say, way, way, way more expensive now than they were uh, at uh, the Now Arena last year. So they'll, uh, they're, they're doing okay. I, I personally don't care about the ticket prices and I'll explain in a second, but there, yeah, th- th- this pay-per-view is doing well. It's doing well. It's not a great number. I mean, you know, but um, honestly, I think AEW is at the point where their pay-per-view should be in basketball arenas and they should be drawing 14, 15,000 people. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I think we should be there uh, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but that's, you know, for what their business is right now and compared to year over year to the, it's a good number that pay-per-view is doing fine. I'm concerned about the week-to-week ticket sales, though. I think you'd have to be. That's something you have to keep your eye on. But um, as far as the ticket prices, I see a lot of people, when you talk about AEW's ticket sales, and they, they immediately point to the increased ticket prices, I am so not moved by that argument and don't give a single shit about what these tickets cost. Now, I'm not telling you that you can't go to a certain market and overprice it and blow it, right? That can happen. We've seen that happen historically in pro wrestling and other entertainment, you know, but the fact that AEW has raised their ticket prices across the board is not an excuse for their sagging 
ticket sales. If something is hot, people are going to buy the tickets. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Especially in the wrestling business, there's a long history. And Dave Meltzer's talked about this a lot where, where him and Zane Breslov would talk about this all the time. Zane Breslov was uh, a big part of the early promotion of, of, of WWF and the early WrestleManias, then moved over to WCW. And, and, and he was largely in favor of raise our ticket prices because then it makes people think they're going to a more prestige event. Raise the prices of the pay-per-views. Yeah. Then they think it's a more important pay-per-view. And, and people always say, oh, whoa, 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 no, 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 you can't do that. And every time it's like, no, we just keep making more money because more people buy them because they go, whoa, hold on a minute. This must be a big deal if they're charging you know, $100 for these tickets or whatever. It's, it's, it makes sense in your head to say, oh, make it lower tickets. Then more people are going to go. But that, it just, it's not exactly how it works. The psychology doesn't work that way. Right. We've seen it for years. I have been a proponent that AEW pay-per-view should be $10 more. I think they would sell exactly as many as they do now. I don't think that $10 would ward a statistically significant amount of people off. And the one, okay, and if a couple thousand don't, you're going to make that money up by charging everybody else $10 more. So I've always thought that their pay-per-views, that they can get away with charging more for their pay-per-views. As far as the ticket prices, in pro wrestling historically, in any facet of entertainment, if it's a hot ticket, it, it, the ticket prices do not matter. Go take a look at the Taylor Swift. I was going to say, yeah, she can charge $9,000 for her tickets and every single person's going to, you know. And then go whine to me about inflation and people don't have money. If people want to go to something, they're going to find a way to go. Right. Now, you may say that's not apples to apples. Okay, what about pro sports? Rich, you know this, and a lot of people who listen to us who follow sports know this. When a team is good, the ticket prices go up and they sell out every game. When the team is bad, the ticket prices go down. I can tell you straight up, Houston Astros. When I was going to Houston Astro games 10 years ago, I would get uh, right, right on the field, on-field tickets for 20 bucks, and I'd be one of like 5,000 people. In oh, the yeah. I, I used to walk okay. up to White Sox games during their nadir years, and, and, and yeah, for, for five bucks, get a, a great seat in the house. I can't. Yeah. I haven't now, been to a game in years because – you know, well, they thought they were going to be good. They ended up not being very good. But they raised the ticket prices on the in- anticipation of them being good. And, yeah, they've priced yes. me out of the market because I'm like, well, now fuck the, that. I'm yeah. Like- well, yeah. Now the Astros are World Series contenders every year. The ticket prices have quadrupled. And I took my family to an Astros game uh, last month, and it cost me almost $500 just to get in the door. <laughs> and and the place was sold out. It, 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 it be- Why? Because it's a hot ticket because the team is good. So now they can charge whatever the fuck they want. Okay? If you're telling me AEW is selling less tickets because the tickets are more expensive now, that tells me that's not a hot ticket. If AEW was a hot ticket and they had a hot story and it was a hot promotion, they would sell more tickets even though the tickets cost more. That's just how it works. So, you know, I'm, I'm tired of people bringing that up. It's such a it, – it's it, – it, it, that argument holds no water. Right, to me right. The whatsoever. same company, if, if if the same ticket prices of the company was red hot like they were a year ago or whatever, they wouldn't matter. It matters because the company is cold. That that's why. Yeah, it, that's it, why the, the right. domestic ticket sales are sagging because it's the ticket prices. Have, people I'm people will they, find the extra thirty dollars if they want to go to the, see the show, and if it's a, a product that's that right. that is uh, that is attracting them to that show, they'll find those extra thirty dollars to go to its show. They will. They'll eat ramen the next week if they have. They'll do whatever it takes, and they'll fucking go because people do it for every for any ticket that's hot. WWE charges more when they're hot, and they sell them. You know, it, it's just that that. So I am not moved by the ticket price argument in any way, shape, or form. It's an excuse. Um, now I'm not saying it has no effect. Okay, but in the grand scheme, 
do you have a hot product or you do not have a hot product? That's what it comes down to. Um, anyway, uh, are we done with all outs or do you have any? Uh, I got one more match for you, Joe. And let me tell you. Oh, good. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm excited. I, I, I'm, you know, what, what else you got for I me? A new match? I, well, no, it's a, it's I, I not with spoiler alerts. Uh, so if you're really into uh, rampage spoilers uh, and the rampage show this week, maybe skip ahead uh, about a minute or so. Uh, we know who's going to be facing better than you, Bay Bay, at uh, at All Out. And let me tell oh, you, let Joe, me take a crack at this. I do. You remember how I said this might be the main event? I'm, oh, all right. Well, let me take well, a I'm fairly certain it's no longer the main event. But uh, oh, sure. Go through the run through the numbers of the uh, prestigious uh, AEW tag team division. Well, I was thinking that maybe Aussie Open is uh, they're not taking the shit anymore and they're going to regroup and get serious. Yeah, and, right, and right. Or or AEW even invokes the rematch clause not that long ago. Remember, sure. we made fun of them for that. So this seems like a good opportunity yes. for uh, for Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis to say, well, the rematch clause. And uh, they're going to be going to all yeah. out in the United Center to uh, win back their ROH World Tag Team titles. Uh, in fact, no, it is not uh, Aussie Open. Yes, the uh, the rematch clause, which is something that a booker cites when they're lazy and don't yeah, have any when they ideas have no fucking and, idea what to do. They just go rematch clause, um, and yeah, right. Uh, it's not Aussie Open, okay. It's uh, not Aussie Open. Have Brody and Snuka come back together? To, uh, <laughs> well, that'd be good. That'd be a hell of a moment. Uh, well, uh, back, maybe right? not. They're both men, you know, unavailable. Yeah, both reasons. unavailable. One, you know, I guess if Brody came back, people would be pretty. Uh, I don't know if Snooker came back if he would be that excited if he came back from the dead. But uh, Brody, I think everybody would be. No, the, the both men are, are dead, so I do not believe they will be uh, They will be returning okay. at uh, All Out in the United Center. No, well, I mean, there's a number of great teams in AEW. Oh, you lay so it many. on me. What, which great team? Uh, the great team that will be facing better than you, Bebe, Adam Cole, and MJF for the ROH World Tag Team titles at All Out this weekend is Alex Reynolds and Johnny Hungy. Oh, fantastic. I am going to. Oh, what a I match. I can't wait to take the longest bathroom break. I cannot wait to have to take a shit during that match, man. I, I'm going to gourd myself on food to make sure and ensure that I'm in the bathroom for the majority of that match. I cannot wait. Oh, my God. I just realized. Think of how oh my tongue-in-cheek that dumb match is going to be. Holy shit. Johnny Hungy with those two guys. <laughs> I cannot wait to be in the bathroom for all of that. I might even should I even watch? I'm I'm being you might, serious. I, honestly, my... you might do the same thing as me. Maybe call. Maybe, you know what? Here, here's a great opportunity. Will TLB be in the house Sunday? Yeah, I think that's that's a great opportunity to say. You know, turn the thing off. Like you always talk about the moment, the wins, the easy wins. Yeah, it's probably gonna go. I don't know what between entrances and shit. Fifteen minutes or so, right? Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. I I say you turn that thing off and go, Brittany, let's go. <laughs> Let, let's have it. I got to, you know what mm. I mean. This pay per view is whatever. I don't. You know what? I've watched a lot of wrestling this week. There was just one last week. It's you, baby. Fifteen 20 for fifteen minutes. minutes I mean, by the way. <laughs> just for fifteen minutes. By the way, then I gotta get back to the show. Just, just, limited. I, I understand. I, uh, it's a weird sell, and it's gonna be. Sh- but I, you know what I'm saying? Like just a, maybe. A, 15 minutes. That's a very limited amount of foreplay I'm saying, only. I'm just what saying. Are, get, well, get down yeah, to yeah. it. I don't know. I'm Joe Lanza. I, I gotta, hey, maybe know. the match before stinks, too, and you can work on the foreplay before. I got a reputation to uphold. You're going to know <laughs> something's up if I only go that, well, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's I, true. That's true. If I did it, it would not seem too out of the place but or out of the uh, the ordinary. But, yes, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
No, that that <laughs> Beaver Boys versus Brochachos. I, I John Hungy. Oh, Brochacho. that's a Beyond Wrestling show that I would. That's a match that would happen Beyond that I would bury. <laughs> so you always gonna love that Reddit. Oh, the, oh, Eric Bischoff is gonna fucking love that match. The Reddit, Reddit's gonna fucking be all over yeah. that. Yeah, it's been um, great. This week has been a really great time because because we hated obviously we hated the Brochachos main event or whatever, and it's been one by one people that I don't trust in professional wrestling. Everybody on Reddit, Eric Bischoff, yeah. Raj, like everybody that I'm like, this guy's a fucking dope or whatever. All love yeah. that. And it, it reaffirms that I'm right that it was absolute horseshit. Yeah. yeah. When Eric Bischoff goes, mm, yeah. that was actually a brilliant bit of, I, I would love to know who booked that because that, that was a brilliant yeah. book. I'm like, oh, yeah. thank God, yeah. I'm so right. I'm not alone. I'm, I'm on the right side of history because Eric yeah, makes it, you feel good. Easy E thinks it was good. That means it was absolute horseshit and it's not going to make any money. Perfect. I'm on the right side of history. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel good. It yeah, does. For sure. Uh, we do have a, one more potential match here. I don't know if they would tease this without it actually happening, but on collision, Ricky Starks is going to challenge Ricky Steamboat to a strap match. Mm. And ideally, Ricky Steamboat's not going to go, no. And then they're going to go, oh, all right, well, I tried. Well, <laughs> nonetheless, Ricky Steamboat is also 70. He is 70, and, and he had a, he, a, uh, a a very, very scary situation last time he got in the wrestling ring. So He got he had his retirement match, and wrestlers never come back from a retirement <laughs> match. Oh, no, of course not. Um, maybe Ricky Steamboat will bring an opponent for Ricky to collision. You oh, know I, mean? I know. I, come on. He could he's do a strap match. Old, ah, he could take a few straps to the back, right? I personally don't need to see that. Um, I'm a leave the memories alone kind of guy, but I have to think that's an angle, and um, it leads to somebody wrestling As Ricky Starks on Steamboat's behalf. Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know who. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be uh, Phil Brooks, I'll tell you that. Um, I suppose it would have been if he wasn't. I guess suspended. it might still be Joe with this fucking company. Who knows, man? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> it, I mean, it could be. Who knows? Um, you know, what's funny is like, <laughs> I guess I should just let the TV play out, but well, I guess the suspension's over. So, uh, big bill, it was nice managing you against two jobbers. Let's Oh yeah. Big bill. Let's, let's yeah. Maybe big bill gets yeah. mad and goes, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought you were my manager. A dumb fucking storyline that made no sense. <laughs> No sense. Um, I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to manage this random guy for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll learn you, Rick Steamboat. And I'm going to keep whipping people with the belt, which is the reason I'm suspended punk. to begin with. Yeah, right. Why Why was he suspended for whipping people with the belt and then came back as a manager to whip people with the belt? And they're like, well, we're, power, we're powerless to stop this. <laughs> yeah. He has a manager's license. We are powerless to stop this. So. Yep, good story. Uh, there you go. So that's uh, that. As far as I know, is everything for all out thus far. So we'll uh, we'll be back Sunday. Although I don't. Th- yeah, what about the Hangman? I can't the Hangman. Uh, nothing for the Hangman Steamboat? just yet. I believe he just hit the ring with uh, Brian Keith. So we'll uh, we'll see what's going to go on with the Hangman. But uh, yeah, might uh, might have another pay per view where he's uh, he's in the back or something. Because he's always, he's always there. If you watch Beating the Elite, he's always there. <laughs> he's- because people are always like, oh, maybe he's like gone. Or now, if you watch Big Nilly, he's like there a lot of the times and he's not used. So he's. Wouldn't you have a well planned and intricate arc 
for Hangman Page. <clears throat> would I? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would. You know, I, I just feel like <laughs> that's something I would have one of the most important things I'd have. He's got the, the best story in the entire company. He lost his yeah, title because he, of a concussion. Yeah. And he's essentially the protagonist of the entire company. And <laughs> he didn't lose his title because he got pinned. He lost his title because he got a concussion. Yeah, I mean, he just never does anything. <laughs> he a... never wants the title again. He never goes, hey, wait a fucking minute. He's just never involved. Yeah. He just uh he was just like the third guy in a three in a trios on the pay-per-view, and he didn't have anything to do with the story. <laughs> no, it just came he out. Had nothing coming did out. Did a bunch of, of cool shit. The fans went, cowboy shit, cowboy shit. Then he left, yeah. and then he, you know. Yeah. Then yeah. yeah. You know, I thought, oh, maybe he'll start a Yeah, he rode off to the like, distance. Now he's gonna face Brian Keith. Yeah. There's just, you know, a squash match with Brian Keith. In a new Texas pro offer match. So Yeah. It's just it's amazing. I think you'd have something <laughs> long term laid out for this. I yeah, I would. Even an endless feud with these dark order geeks. Just but go out and lariat people every single week, man. Lariat every When's single last one of them. Go, all right, Uno, boom, Lariat, get the one fuck the out time. of here. Reynolds, boom, Lariat, get the fuck out of here. Hungy, yeah. boom, get the fuck out of here. You know, like there, you just booked a month. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not hard. It's it's so bizarre. And you're you're right. Like, he's there every week. He has time to fuck around with the Young Bucks on their little fucking GoPro Live deal or whatever the fuck it is. But <laughs> he, they don't put him on the fucking show. Yeah. Does that thing still do numbers being nearly? I, I'm not being. Uh, it does okay. It does okay. Yeah, not bad. Like, people are into that? Not bad. As, as people uh, uh, pointed out, I, he did not lose the title via being concussed. He did not win the title. He lost to Punk, and then when he had a title shot against Mox is when he got concussed. So nah, Whatever. Nobody cares. The yeah. point is he's never on TV. <laughs> the point is the man should, wants, should probably want another title shot at some point. Should probably move up the rankings, Joe, dare I say, with a couple of yeah, solid singles wins. Should I move up the rankings? That would be a good idea. But yeah. Why doesn't a new monster of the month just get in a feud with him? Big and Bill. He a, and, he, and he beats all of them. Big Bill. Great, great opportunity for Big Bill. Right. And then he just beats them all. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. I, there's so many things you could do with this guy. Yeah. What if you did nothing, Joe? What about that? Where's Lance Archer? Can't Lance Archer just jump him after the Brian Keith match, beat him to a bloody pulp, and then there's a there's a month. You build to a singles match. Dare I say you do it on a pay-per-view, and he beats Lance Archer. Then you do it with someone else. I mean, what, what? Anything. Anything would be better than nothing. Anything would be better than nothing. I I agree. Anything would be better than nothing. Anyway, that's all out. We'll be back Sunday night uh, for Instant Reaction Live. Sunday night. Flagship Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. $10 tier for that one. All right. So we got a couple more things to get to before we bid adieu for the night. Let's talk first about the RevPro 11th anniversary show. This was on Saturday, uh, streamed live on RevProOnDemand.com. It is available as well uh, if you want to watch an on-demand on RevPro service, RevProOnDemand.com. Uh, 4,000 uh, people capacity at the Copper Box Arena uh, for RevPro's 11th anniversary show, the biggest show that they've ever done, uh, one of the biggest uh, indie shows in, in, in that country, in, in, in England ever. Um, and it was a great show. Uh, from top to bottom, I watched it 
uh, watched it live. I believe you watched it all live as well. I believe we were talking about it on our Discord uh, in real time as it was going on. We thought it was going to be a really good show. We, we thought it looked good on paper, but I don't know about you. I thought it over-delivered. I thought even – every match that I thought was going to be awesome was awesome, and then some of the matches that I wasn't super high on, all those worked really good. There was one match on the entire show that I could honestly say, eh, didn't really – you know, it was just kind of whatever. Everything else on the show I thought delivered to some extent. I know some people might disagree about one match, but uh, by and large, hell of a show from RevPro, hell of an effort from them. Everybody on the card was obviously working hard, knowing they were working in front of the building. The RevPro production, for people that have never you know, experienced RevPro before, you and I were like, ah, this is actually pretty good. It works. And everyone's like, the audio sucks. Yeah. The video sucks. This looks bad. And I was like, honestly, it works. And I don't feel like my ears are bleeding. So I'm going to actually call this a win uh, for RevPro's production. If you wanted RevPro to have a silky smooth uh, a video and well-balanced uh, audio uh, that was never going to happen. It never does happen. And I can tell you watching on demand, I watched uh, one match that I missed uh, on demand today. Uh, it is a little cleaned up on their on demand, but it still sounds like shit. And it, uh, it looks a little bit better, but uh, it's repro. So honestly, the fact that it fucking worked was enough for me. Yeah, people were introduced to the repro streaming experience. Yeah, they're, they're, on Discord, it was you and I being like, ah. This is pretty good, actually. And everybody else is like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I was like, eh. yeah. And, and we were like, correct. And it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> right. right. Know, like, I can see the wrestlers and, and I yes. can hear the commentators. Uh, Honestly, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, number one, like you said, I fully expected the live stream to not work. And I thought I'd be watching the show in the middle of the night later on. So the fact that it worked and it, it worked for the entire show was shocking enough to me. Number two, believe it or not, for those of you new to RevPro, <laughs> I thought the picture was the best picture they've ever had. Yes. <laughs> it was like, I thought the, the video was actually good by their standards. The audio was just as bad, if not, you know, worse <laughs> than it usually is. But again, not shocking to me at all. It was exactly what I expected from that standpoint. I get it, though. It's awful. It is. A, it is. Yes, it is the worst streaming you've ever seen. And also, yes, it was an improvement on their usual. Yes, uh, <laughs> it is the worst production so, you've ever um, seen from a modern professional wrestling company. Also, it was an improvement yeah. <laughs> over what they usually I do. I mean, it, to it, it looks like you're watching 2003 ROH DVDs. Yeah, I said it and looks like it a did. Justin TV stream. Like in, in 2011, yeah. you were like, yeah, cool, ROH. On I don't want to pay Go Fight Live. That shit never works. I'm going to see if Justin TV has the <laughs> ROH stream. And they did. And it looked like shit and it sounded like shit. And the one time it turned into gay porn. But you know what? That's what you had to deal with at the time. Yes. Do you remember that? It was some death I before dishonor or something like that. Yes. And at one time, whoever was streaming it streamed like two hours and 15 minutes of the show. Perfectly fine. It went well. It was fine. And then the last half hour of the show was just hardcore gay porn. <laughs> it was just like, all they right. They must accidentally, they sw accidentally switched windows or something. I like, don't know what, what, what happened. happened. Or they were like, I'm going to get um, these people. You would think you would do it like 10 minutes in. But the, 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 oh. it was the... You think it was a childish bit. I think it was like the longest con ever. They're like, you know what? I'm going to give people oh. two hours and 15 minutes of the stream, but then I'm going to give them. Because who's watching like oh. ROH Death Before Dishonor 2013 and then also gay porn at the same time? I, is that a real question? Probably <laughs> a lot guess, of people. Probably a lot of people. I mean, okay. I, I, but that I, happened. Yeah, I mean. It, it, was, okay. it was a monumental moment in streaming history. The best part was on Twitter, you could find out everybody who was stealing the show because everybody was just like, Stop talking about the show. It got real silent on the, uh, the, the in our corner of the wrestling Twitter at that time, and nobody wanted to be the first to say like, 
what the fuck just happened with the Justin TV stream or whatever, but that's how it looked. What what percentage of our listeners currently have a porn window on their tabs right this wow time. right now currently have a porn tab like like streaming something or they're gonna watch it after the show not like there's a porn tab on there's there's a porn like yeah, porn hub is up on the tab porn. one of the tabs is yeah. porn hub and they're one ready to go whenever what percentage of our listeners i think I, no i think we have very 30 percent 30 percent i was gonna say 40 percent. 40 percent. that's a lot so I'm not shocked at all that maybe it was an accidental thing where the whoever was streaming it. Well, I'll tell you, it never switched. went back to the ring. It's not like a guy went, oh, crap, and then went right back to the Ring of Honor stream. Right. It was just gay porn the rest of the time. So, yeah. like, nobody well, talked I about mean, the main event. Whatever the main event was, nobody watched it in real time. Well, so, I mean, some people were probably like, well, all right, and then just fucking. They said, hey, this that. works for me, too. Yeah, I'm going to watch some porn. I'm I was watching professional right wrestling, now. and it's not, honestly not that far off. So, you know what? Yeah, let's do not it. Not that far off. That's this right. is pretty This so, is pretty fun action. Let's see what happens here. Right. Um, But, yeah, people were introduced to the Rev Pro experience this right. weekend. I guess. We are so used to it with that we didn't <laughs> adequately prepare people for the Rev Pro streaming experience. But um uh yeah, you're getting two thousand five ROH quality and in a lot of ways it's a promotion that reminds me of that era of ROH in a lot for of sure. ways, ironically enough. But um I thought the show was great. I thought it actually peaked higher than all in, but also had a lower floor. Um so that's how I would describe it. I thought the best matches on this show were better than the best matches at Wembley. But the couple of matches that didn't work were worse than anything on Wembley. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, yeah, I would agree. The one match that, that, that really stood out to me that wasn't good was worse than anything on, on the Wembley show, for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's go through it. So we open up with Leon Slater and Dan Maloney, this... Um, you know, it was a well-built match. It had a you know, months-long story coming in. And uh, Leon Slater, who's disgustingly young, he's 18 years old. And uh, he's already, uh, you can tell this guy is going to be a phenomenal worker at minimum. And Dan Maloney, who I believe is now a finished product, he's really found himself, looks good in New Japan. He's a New Japan title holder. And uh, the babyface wins the opener. What I thought was a hot opener and uh, a pretty easy notebook match for me. And I think Slater working the biggest show of his life really uh, took it by the throat and, uh, and nailed it. Yeah. Especially as the actual opener of the show itself, you had, you had a battle Royal on the pre-show or whatever, but oh, okay. Yeah. The battle Royal just so I didn't see it. Yeah. So... Yeah. I, I saw half of it. I, I came in while it was already in the ring and uh, unfortunately saw sky blue. I was like, Oh God, <laughs> I can't escape. Well, I sky think blue. There were, weren't, there, weren't there two battle Royals? I don't know. I didn't see any. I think Royals. there was just the one, but may, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just saw the one. It was, it was a women's battle Royal. Danny Luna won that. Uh, anyway, to get a number one contendership for the women's title. But uh, yeah, Leon Slater, you know, starting off the show, great way to start off the show, too. They, they only went seven minutes, but Leon Slater does spectacular stuff. He's one of these guys that you always say there's always going to be, you know, people always say, oh, well, uh, you know, once, once, you know, now, now that, you know, we, we've seen Will Ospreay, there's not going to be, a, you know, no one's going to be excited about cool moves and, and you know, or, or like wrestling promoters at all the time will say that. Like, oh, everyone's seen moves before. They don't care about new moves. Or, you know, oh, you got to do something different to stand out or you got to be something different to stand out or whatever. And then you see Lance later go and he just did a bunch of cool shit for seven minutes. 
and Dan Maloney was a charisma, you know, magnet like he always is. And then they fucking, the crowd was insane. The crowd was nuts for this match. It was a great opener, a fantastic opener. And Leon Slater is, like you said, disgustingly young and spectacular. He did, he jumped over the top rope uh, to the floor, made the crowd go absolutely nuts. Dan Maloney was great throughout the entire match. Just a, yeah, a great way to, great, great way to open the show. And you knew you were in for something special with that match because you're like, okay, this crowd is red hot. They're all in. They're all in on RevPro. RevPro understands the moment. The wrestlers understand the moment. This is going to be a great show. And it pretty much never let up. Slater, Callum Newman, J.J. Gale, Ricky Knight Jr., um, Luke Jacobs. They got them all on the show. They featured them all. We'll talk about all those guys. Levi Muir was on the show. He cornered Trent Seven. He didn't wrestle. But that guy is another oh, one of their dude, that disgustingly... Dude. And he just looks like a oh fucking my god, superstar. he looks like a Levi fucking Muir. professional wrestler. Yeah, that that and dude walks in the room. That's the airport test type of guy where you're like, holy yes. fuck, that's a professional wrestler right there. And Rich, they're not done. There's Cameron Kai who didn't even work the show. Uh, there's uh, Leighton Buzzard who was working ICW, and now you know they they chose him for an open challenge against Osprey, and he earned a spot on this roster. So there's other guys on this roster who are super young prospects. And there's others too that I'm leaving out that are like still teenagers Yeah, who weren't quite on this show. There were about a half a dozen that were able to be featured. And I thought they all stood out at least in some way, some more than others. Slater was a big winner to me. I thought Slater looked uh, probably with the exception, him and Luke Jacobs, I thought came across the yes, best out of yes, the young yes, guys. Yes. Yeah. Slater didn't even and, look like he missed a beat, man. It was like, that that was a guy who I always say like because people I'm always like he's 18 so understand that he's 18 or whatever he's he's awesome but he hasn't put it all together it's gonna take a little bit longer. This match he was fucking like okay this guy can main event right now like this guy he looked he looked awesome he looked in in the biggest crowd he's ever wrestled in in the biggest spot he's ever wrestled in as the first true match out of the curtain and he just fucking destroyed he destroyed it he just killed it in that yeah, opener. Killed it. That's and awesome. Like that that now it's like okay, now I know he can take he can handle the moment. You know what I mean? No moment is too big for this guy, which is awesome well, to know. I mean, you know, he's in there with Dan Maloney and Ricky Knight Jr. is in there with Zack Sabre Jr. and Luke Jacobs is in there with Tomohiro Ishii. They they how, you know, how Quilden books is this is how he does it. And you know, you look at his rank and file shows and click through and these young guys are in there with veterans and um this really has become a cradle of the best young and upcoming. I mean, there's more young upcoming guys that I'm excited about their future in this promotion alone than I can name on the entire American indie scene. I, 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 you know, and and that, I don't know if that's an indictment of the American indie scene or if it's a massive credit to what, to what, uh, to what Andy's doing in rev, but um, you know, the, he's the, the, the talent development here, is is exceptional it's exceptional and i think that um and now look these guys all work other places too but this is sort of the most high profile yeah, yeah, work right. that they get and and yeah um did you know that levi was, was in nxt uk uh the the guy who cornered trent seven yeah. you mean um how do you let that guy leave he i i don't know how he got out the building how I mean, do you let that guy leave the he, building Especially them, when you take a look at a guy like that, and what the yeah, fuck? I don't, I don't think he he was uh, like a pushed commodity there, but he was there. I don't care. Look yeah. at him. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't even know if necessarily he was contracted, but he was definitely there. I'm not Let letting him leave his, the building. <laughs> Stay here, you have buddy. Cage matchup. Yeah, yeah. All right, you already have it up. Yeah. I, uh, um, he. 
I don't believe he was pushed, and I don't even believe he was under contract. He, he uh, no, I don't believe he was under contract either. He wrestled one, two, three, four, five, five NXT UK matches. Lost to Jordan Devlin. Uh, lost to Noah Legend, uh, Saxon Huxley. Uh, teamed with Jack Stars to defeat Saxon Huxley. Defeated by Shaw Samuels and defeated by Mark Andrews. So he had, uh, but it was over the course of October. 2020, November 2020, December 2020, and then again, April and May of 2021. So I don't know. So post-pandemic. Yeah, post-pandemic, he was still there. Oh, well, maybe they bring him back. I don't know. Um, yeah. Nah, fuck that. They, they gave up on him. Screw him. Well, if they call, he's going to go. Um, scramble for the Cruiserweight title. Connor Mills, Callum Newman, Jordan Brakes, Robbie X, Shaw Samuels, and uh, Wild Boar. Um, this was to get some guys on the show and this fucking rocks. I thought this match, you know, for a scramble, especially for an indie scramble. I mean, you watch some of like these GCW scrambles and they fucking suck. Okay. This was so well put together and so smooth and so good. And some of the spots that they come up with and just the structure of the match. It wasn't just. Uh, it was dynamic in a lot of ways, but it wasn't a bunch of guys just taking turns trying to get their shit in. Uh, there, there was some really thought out, well thought out spots here, and um, you know, now I called the finish. You know, with the, it was, you know, Mills is doing the heel thing, and I had a feeling he was going to steal a pin, and that's what they did. Because I, I didn't think it was time for him to lose. He's kind of just getting into this role as the heel cruiserweight champion, and he's doing well, and he's really coming to his own. And I thought the only finish was for him to steal a pin, and that's exactly what they did. Yep, exactly. But <laughs> Callum Newman, who's on his way to New Japan to work with United Empire, I thought he looked really good here. Um, he showed a lot of spark. He got to show off his rope running, which a lot of people seeing him for the first time compared to Masato Yoshino, uh, which I think is fair. No one's ever going to be speed star running him rope. He's but, um, not far off, man. He really is not far off. Yeah. Um, Jordan Brakes works the Zack Sabre Jr., european grappling gimmick and he he does he has no charisma but he wins you over with his work he's very very good robbie x is another guy with no charisma but he is so fucking good it's just such a shame he's 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 just so good i don't know what I, like he, and he's always good but he just i don't know um and he was great here and you know even wild boar i thought acquitted himself well and shaw samuels you know as sort of even though he lost all that weight, he was still kind of like the beef of the match. But I went notebook on this too. I thought I went four and a quarter. And this this um, is the match that bl- that way 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 over delivered what I thought. I, yeah. I thought scramble. I just thought it'd be like a three star scramble. Yeah, you throw a bunch of guys on the card to get them on the card or whatever. Connor Mills has done a solid job. You want to do you know do a solid to Shaw Samuels or whatever. Hey, Robbie X has been around. Okay, we'll throw all these guys in here. Ah, we need something for Callum Newman. Okay, we'll put him in there or whatever. Ah, you know what? Wild Boar's booked. Okay, just throwing guys in there, whatever. But then it was like, holy shit, this is good. This is really, really good. So I'm with you. I, I was I was four stars on this one. I was four and a quarter on the opener, four stars on this one. Uh, and now we're already charting to like, oh, my God, this is what, what kind of card are we going to get here? These are two matches I didn't really have any expectations of that have already over delivered. And yeah, it just kept on going, kept on going. JJ Gale and Kosei Fujita. The story here is Gale had to earn a match with Zack Sabre Jr. by beating Sabre Jr.'s stablemate and former young boy. Not really a young boy anymore, right? Um, but uh, Gale wins. I didn't think this match was great. I thought it was good. 
Um, but there were much better matches on the show. And I thought out of the young guys that I named at the top, Gail probably stood out the least of the five. Um, but there was by no means nothing wrong with this. I'd probably go three, three and a quarter somewhere in that neighborhood. The work was fine. But on a card where I went notebook on five or six matches, this was the one that kind of got um, you know, lost in the I lose you, Rich Cage. Ah, uh, there you go. You're back now. I lost you. Okay. You lost me. We're back though. You lost me. Hey, came right. out for a sec, but now you're back. I had a lot of good things to say, and I guess no one heard it. What did you think of the match? Uh, I no, no. I heard most of the match. You, you, you. I the last part I heard, you said, Rich, what do you think? And then you stopped. So it's actually perfect. It worked out well. Uh, I, I'm exactly with you. I, I think that this match was one of the ones that did underdeliver for me a little bit. I was pretty excited about Gale and, and, and Fujita thought oh hey here we go this is gonna be a good opportunity for jj gale to really stand out and and you're absolutely right it was good it just wasn't yeah it, it didn't deliver to what i thought fujita i've i've liked a lot of what i've seen i've liked a lot of what i've seen out of jj gale this one was just okay and on a card that was as good as this was uh just okay unfortunately puts you in the bottom portion of the of, of the entire show so yeah this is one of the rare matches on the show uh that under delivered and yeah while it was good i just yeah i, I nothing that i could Nowhere near a notebook match and, and nowhere near anything I can super, super recommend to you. But a good story, and J.J. Gale gets a solid win uh, over Fujita to get his shot eventually uh, at Zack Sabre Jr. Which I don't know when that's coming because I guess we'll get to that as we move along. But uh, Phantasmo and Shibata against David Finley and Gabe Kidd. I thought this was a shit ton of fun. I didn't think it was necessarily a great match. But one thing that we undersold in the preview is that Shibata is a former rev pro, you know, British champion and, and is, is over like a God there. And I really forgot about that. The other thing I forgot about was El Phantasmo was a, a huge baby face, yeah. well, not huge, but a, a baby face star in rev pro. So I, we undersold that in the preview and it really came across in front of this crowd and, um, you know, Finley and kid did the great heel work. And I thought this match was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was, uh, I was blown away. I maybe shouldn't have, that was probably, again, like you said, me not thinking about Phantasma and Shibata and what they meant to that. No, we that, blew that. We yeah, because they came out and they were fucking gods. Like Phantasma was a god, and I was like, oh my god, this crowd loves Phantasma. And then Shibata came out, and everyone was just like losing their goddamn minds about Katsuyori Shibata. And then the crowd was super hot the entire time. And like I said, it was it was like or like you said, just a hell of a lot of fun. Just a really fun back and forth classic tag team wrestling match where, where one side are the uber baby faces and the crowd absolutely adores them and the other side the crowd absolutely fucking hates the guys and finley and gabe kid were doing a great job of, of of kind of trolling both guys trolling shibata being just chicken shit assholes the entire time just classic heel versus face professional wrestling phantasma and shibata get the win fun as fuck uh just a really really good match to go go anywhere to check out for that one for sure so zach saber jr versus ricky knight jr ricky knight jr for being a former champion and really a top guy in Rip Pro right now, didn't get a great reaction in the building, which was kind of the first sign. Well, that and Connor Mills getting no reaction in his entrance and his entrance. It was clear that a lot of these 4,000 people were just wrestling fans going to a wrestling show who weren't necessarily up on Rev Pro storylines and Rev Pro personalities. So, uh, but Ricky Knight Jr., they had such a good match that eventually, you know, he won them over and the match won them over. And he wisely worked it with a bit of a heel edge. And I thought these guys had um, a, a really great match. I went four and a quarter plus on it. Uh, Sabre wins. He had the win because they're going to do, they're doing Sabre versus Osprey back in the same building uh, for the um, Royal Quest, right? They're doing yeah, that Royal, Quest Royal Quest 3. Yeah, Royal Quest 3, yeah. 
which is New Japan, but it's the same building and it's a sister company and all the, the Rev Pro and New Japan storylines are tied together. So um, Sabre had the win. Plus, if Ricky Knight Jr. would have beaten Zack Sabre Jr., it wouldn't have just taken the steam out of Sabre and Osprey. It would have taken some of the steam out of Sabre and J.J. Gale whenever they get around to doing that. Like, you know, Sabre kind of has to keep winning right now in Rev Pro until that Gale match, you know? So, um, you know, from that standpoint, he had to win for a couple different reasons. And I thought the match was really, really good. And it, it on, a, on a show which to this point had featured a lot of crazy high spots and, again, mid-aughts ROH style action, this was a lot different and it was still great. Yeah, this was a hell of a match between these two guys. It was, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. has been so, so much improved over the last couple of years, like way, which is only natural when you're you're a young wrestler that, that comes in or whatever. But like, yeah, so much improved. And Zack Sabre Jr., it was in his element here in Rev Pro. It's always been the, one of the best places to watch him. I, I've always liked, anytime I watch Zack Sabre Jr. In, in, in the UK, especially in Rev Pro, I just like him a little bit more for some reason. I don't I, even more than, like I like him in New Japan, but for some reason he never hits me on a high, high level in, in New Japan. But you put him in, or you put him in like a classic Evolve. You know, I always loved him in Evolve. I love him in Rev Pro. I don't know. I like him in small rooms for some reason, more so uh, than than you know bigger you know New Japan buildings or whatever. But yeah, this is a great back and forth between these two guys and and, and Saber just you know twisting and turning Ricky Knight into all sorts of directions, working his working his ass off as you know the chicken shit heel and 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 just yeah, it ended up working out really really good between these two. They had great chemistry and yeah, another to me a fantastic match and 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 one that. You know, made sense in the story of of Rev Pro, and and also made sense as like a. I think if you just jumped into this show and had never seen you know Ricky Knight Jr. before, you get the idea very quickly. You understood what this guy was, what he was about, and and what this match sort of meant. So yeah, I I, I love this match. Yet another you know match that I thought was going to deliver, and it delivered maybe even beyond what I thought it was going to do. Uh, subculture versus velocities. Uh, this I am told people in the building thought there was going to be an intermission, and they started getting up out of their seats. You can tell that this match was not over with the live crowd at all. Uh, the, they just could not get the crowd into this. You could see people milling around, and it definitely affected the quality of the match. Um, the Velocities didn't even do a ton of their um, spectacular spots that you're, you, you're, you get accustomed to them doing. Um, you know, they, they, the finish didn't work because Velocities went for their finish, and Subculture... Uh, broke it up, escaped, and then that led to the finish. But the problem was no one there knew what the Velocity's finish was. Right. So the finish didn't get over because of that. So this match just didn't work. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, there were some nice spots. The the uh, the the, the uh, flippy-do um, shooting star DDT, I think it was, that the Velocity's do out of the corner. They nailed that. But um, uh, otherwise, this was dead crowd. Um the work was okay, but nothing spectacular. Yeah, it's and an... to me, it was the most disappointing match on the show. Right, hundred percent with me. I, I I wanted to like this match. I'm watching it, being like, "This is good, right? This is good." And and I kept trying to tell myself, "This is good," and I'm enjoying it. And then I realized, I don't know if this is that good, and I don't know that I'm enjoying it. So yeah, it just ended up when it was done. I was just like, "Yeah, that didn't quite deliver." And I I had really high hopes for this match. I I, I still, the velocities are are they're a team that. I think I like, but then I don't know. I feel like I'm liking them less and less the more I watch them. I, I don't know. I, I it's I have a weird thing with the velocities. Like I, every time they come into the ring, and maybe it's because like I saw a lot of their matches years ago, and I really really loved them. But it seems like I kind of 
in my own head hyped them up more than I probably should. Because every time I, I, I've watched them recently, I've been kind of disappointed. I'm like, oh, man, I really thought this was going to be better than it was. And maybe those guys aren't as good as maybe I thought they were or whatever. But, you know, subculture, I've seen a lot of good stuff from them, too. They, they, they did some great matches in Impact. They've been great this year. And, yeah, this just I don't know. It just it, it, it's a match that the entire time it was going on, I wanted to tell myself that I was enjoying it. But ultimately, I, I really wasn't. And, and maybe it was the crowd. Maybe it was the work. I don't know. But I just, yeah, I, I was really disappointed by this. And when it was over, I was just like, yep, that was just a match. And that kind of sucks because I had really, really high hopes for it. Maybe it's just me. But something I picked up on during the show is I feel like a lot of the former WWE UK people on the show didn't get the most warm reactions. From uh, this no, crowd. no, they did not. And I feel like because this may have been a more grimy indie sort of crowd even the non-rev pro fans actually especially the non-rev pro fans maybe you know some some because the, because you know subculture is generally over in front of rev pro crowds and some of these other wrestlers as well so i think maybe some of these british fans who were seeing maybe there was some residual heat with some of these you know former i mean the title match on this show was played built into, around that. Yeah, it played it played it built around the idea that, that you're supposed to not like these guys. And I, I, you know, so maybe that was just me. But the, the one thing I was told though by people who were there was that a lot of people genuinely thought there was going to be a break, and they they were like, "Well, we're just going to go take our piss and buy our chicken fingers anyway," uh, even though they're not giving us one. And it happened to be during that match. Luckily, it wasn't during this match because. Um, Tomohiro Ishii versus Luke Jacobs, which we had a feeling. I mean, if you could handpick an opponent for Luke Jacobs to have his breakout match against, I think anyone <laughs> no better would person. pick Tomohiro Ishii. <laughs> no like, better person on the planet Earth <laughs> to against and, and to I think Luke Jacobs against. would have picked Tomohiro yes, Ishii. Yes, you know they would have picked each other, yeah. Uh, listen, I, I can't kill somebody if they think this is a match of the year contender. It was that good. No. This match was fucking great. So good. You know, this wasn't really good. It wasn't very good. This was a fucking great match. It is go out of your way to see. It is spend the seven dollars and forty nine cents on the on the cert. Here's what you need to do. You don't want to spend the seven forty nine. I'm going to tell you what to do. Okay, you get a free week trial with the Rev Pro service. Okay, sign up, watch this fucking match, and let them earn your seven dollars and forty nine cents. If you want to cancel before the week's up, go ahead. But what I'm telling you is you need to watch this match and you can watch it legally and free. If you sign up for the site and take advantage of the free week, like that's legal and free, which is rare. So it's a must see match. I mean, Luke Jacobs, I felt like a proud Papa cause I was afraid I've been pimping this guy up. We've been saying how he's like one of the most improved wrestlers in the world. I write about it all the time behind the paywall. This match, too. Remember we told people, we were like, this match is going to yeah. rock. This match is going to rock. This is going to be the match of the weekend. This is going to be our sleeper match of the weekend. Don't miss this match. Styles make fights. Yeah. This is perfect for him. If he would have laid an egg, I would have looked like a fucking jabroni because there, I know that there's a ton of people who were watching him for the first time. And this exceeded my expectations. I, I mean... This would have been one of the better matches in the G1. Without without exception, this would have been one of the better matches in the G1. Top three match in the G1. This was great. And Jacobs was there every step of the way. And it wasn't just Ishii playing the hits. You know, every match of Ishii's is that to some degree. But 
they put there was a lot of psychology in this thing like jacobs trying to chop ishii down like a tree and getting tired because ishii isn't going down and jacobs showing how exhausted he's getting as his strikes become weaker and weaker and he has this look on his face like what do i have to do to take this guy off his feet and then Ishii just headbutts him and knocks him down in one blow. And and it's just stuff like that that they worked into this match that was so good and so smart. And Tomohiro Ishii is 47 years old. He's 47. Rich, he doesn't have to do this for this kid. <laughs> no, no. He can go in there and have and just sleepwalk through a very good Tomohiro Ishii match that everyone would have been happy with, including Luke Jacobs. But instead, at 47, coming off a of G1 in a foreign country against a kid that he don't know from a fan in the crowd, he went out there and had one of the best matches of the year to put this kid over. You know, and enough cannot be said about that because not every wrestler approaches things that way. But anyway, I've talked enough. I thought this match was fucking spectacular. I think it's must-see for anyone listening. What did you think? No, and just to let people know, it's not just us two. 9.24 right now uh, on cage match, which is more than fair uh, uh, for this match. I I, I do think this one might just – it might suffer from not enough people watching it, but hopefully we can kind of change that a little bit here. Go watch this. If you've never – if you weren't around, if you weren't watching this live on Saturday, if you don't watch a ref pro, watch this fucking match. Please, I'm begging you, watch it. It's it's a peak Ishii match against a guy who's – who wrestles, works like, and kind of looks like a peak Ishii as well. And and they and it exactly delivered as I thought it was going to deliver. It exactly was the type of match I wanted it to be. And it was I felt like a proud papa watching it live. You know, just like yes. seeing these guys strike each other and slap each other and kick out at one and hit each other in the head and headbutt one another and then slap each other and snarl and spit and see the crowd stand up and cheer. I was like, aha, yes. This is exactly what I wanted this match to be. And it's exactly what I told people this match was going to be. And God damn it, it was. But uh, like you said, you have gonzo bombs. You have headbutts. You have all this shit, the slaps, all these sort of things. But I think more than anything, like you said, what I was more impressed with is that Ishii did this when he didn't have to. When He had, he could have went in there, did a chop exchange, like you see Minoru Suzuki do right now. And I'm not criticizing Minoru Suzuki yes. for what he does at all. But Minoru yeah. Suzuki goes out there going, all I have to do is come out slap my hands together you all sing my song i come out i make a funny face we chop each other for a couple minutes and then i do my thing and i'm out and that's all i need to do and it's going to be fine and everybody their lives going to be fine with it and everyone is going to enjoy it and it's going to be perfectly okay and i can move on and go do that again at the next stop that i go on and i'm going to go to every stop in the world and every indie in the world and every american promotion in the world and do the same thing over and over and over again and he can do that and he's well in his rights to do that Ishii could do that, but instead he goes out here and has this fucking spectacular match with this guy. They go, you know, almost 18 minutes, almost 20 minutes they go here and just fucking kill one another to try to win this match. And Ishii just busts his ass to try to get this kid over. And my God, what what a coming out moment for for Jacobs as well. So, yeah, just there's not enough good stuff to say about this. Watch it. Chops. Punches, brain busters, gonzo bombs, headbutts, everything you could possibly want out of a peak Ishii match. You got it here. Uh, and Jacobs is a guy to keep your eye on uh, as well moving forward. So, Look, I know I can go too hard on people sometimes, and, and I, I get a little out of control. But it's just so funny to me that people will be like, oh, Scott, like, like you know, they'll be like, oh, Sky Blue is like 23, give her time. And I'm like, I'm watching, like, Leon Slater. <laughs> That's like fucking Jacobs. 18 years old. And, <laughs> 
and how much time do you what do you how what do you think she's gonna be you right you, I mean? you like, see it no 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 and that's that's like, such shit because any any wrestler you talk to any wrestling promoter or wrestler or whatever there's an it factor that you get from the moment that somebody steps in the ring it doesn't yes. mean that they're fully put together or whatever but you can tell pretty early on okay that guy's got something that girl's got something it doesn't happen immediately like, but it, it usually right pretty early on you go okay it clicks with them. They get it. They get what this thing is. They're not fully there. All, they're not all the way there. They, they don't understand psychology all the way. They're going to get better over time. But you know when somebody's going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? When someone's 23 and they've been wrestling for four years and they're still not good, they're not going to be good. You know what I mean? Like, like, what you, like, there's nowhere for Dominic to go from here. Right. Like, He's I, not going to he be better. He is what he is. He's not going to get better. He is what he is. It's like, I'm so tired of this idea of, oh, you know, they got time to grow. Yeah, well, look. Is, is Sky Blue going to get marginally better? Like, okay, maybe. I hope so. For God's sake, I hope so. But it's like, I don't want to hear this shit. Like, oh, this person's only 24. Let them. When I'm watching people like Leon Slater and Luke Jacobs have some of the, you know, Luke Jacobs went out there and just had one of the best matches of the year. He's 23, right? I, he's, I don't know how he's in his 20s. But the point here is, it's like, when you know, you know. And, you know, I know, like, it's like that ESPN under 30 list was just fucking preposterous. Liv Morgan, like, seventh, like, <laughs> right. the fuck are we doing? Like, Kyle Fletcher, he's 24 as well. Like, yeah, everybody knows Kyle Fletcher is fucking great. Now, yeah, the, extent, great. the extent of which he will be great, we don't know. Will he continue right. to improve? Will he continue to be better? Will he obviously make it in the next couple of years? Will he be clearly a main event level uh, wrestler and talent and charisma and all that sort of stuff. We don't know, but at 24 years old, we know the guy's really fucking good. What level of good? We yeah. don't know. We'll find out. But and we now, know he's and, good. And it's not like, ah, hold on a minute. Give Kyle Fletcher a couple of years. Well, we know he's good. He's really, really good. <laughs> like, it's, it's sky's the limit, you know, because you can see it. It's obvious, you know, and it's like, oh, you're too hard on Dom. Am I? <laughs> Like he's like he is what he is. Like he's never getting any better. Like that's what he is. You know, um, like what, the sky blue rant. Like what? Like honestly, how good do you think? How much better is she really? Gonna right, get? right. Let's yeah. be honest with ourselves. Can we be honest with ourselves? This this is pretty much it. <laughs> you know, like and maybe it's because you know when you when you watch a lot of stuff and you see people like Luke Jacobs and you're like all right well that's someone that has real potential right leon slater comes out in the opener of that match and fucking kills it and you're like yep that guy <laughs> okay like that's real potential like all right you know you know there's just such a fucking difference and it's obvious when you know you know um alex windsor hyan and mickey james and uh, the Brits have done it again. Oh, the Brits. Um, I got The Brits, you guys ruined this match. You did it. Hardcore country. <laughs> Hardcore country. Um, for those that did not watch, this match was 15 minutes and 34 seconds long. And for 15 minutes and 34 seconds, they chanted, Hardcore country. It got stuck in my entire... head. Did it get stuck in your head, too? Yeah, for three days. I know. The, okay, I'm glad. The rest of the weekend, I was walking around the house going, doon, doon, hardcore country. Yeah. And I had no idea why. I was like, stop. Uh, why am I doing this? I don't even like that song. I don't even like I'm in the sh- I'm in the shower, soaping my yeah. chest. Dun, dun, dun. country. Yeah, yep, okay. Keep saying to myself, why am I saying that? <laughs> right, hardcore okay. Country. So I was the same. Great. Like, yeah. Um, 
No, we're not exaggerating. They did it for the entire match. Yeah. They did they did it in the, like in the beginning of the match before they tied up, locked up. Mickey James made the mistake of like encouraging it and acknowledging yes. it. And then realizing, whoops, I made a mistake, and then tried to say please stop doing it, but then nobody Yeah, to be clear, I'm not blaming her. I don't think she thought they were gonna do it for yeah, 15 I think she minutes. Thought, yeah, yeah, hardcore country, give it to me. And then Twelve minutes later, was like, okay, hold on a minute. She's like, wow, they know my obscure country song. This yeah. is awesome, you know. And then it totally, it was, you know, disrespectful. It ruined the match, and I'm sure all three of them hated the fact. I'm sure she was apologetic <laughs> to everybody in the back that those fans were doing that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the match was. Fine. I mean, it wasn't good anyway. It wasn't good. I don't, anyway. I don't think it was any kind of. The chant did not prevent us from getting a fucking four and a half star classic. Let's be honest here, but um, it was still very annoying, and um, I felt bad for all three of them. To yeah, be honest. Uh, Michael Oku versus Trent Seven. Story here: Trent Seven beats Oku in a non-title match, uh, celebrating with Oku after Oku's title win, gives him his uh, finisher and steals the belt. We did a Toro Yano stolen belt gimmick here, so he came out with the title. And his corner man, Levi Mir, uh, Mur, however you say his name. Michael Oku, of course, came out with Amira, who was wearing a red fucking, like, prom gown. Um, I thought this started off great. Like, the wrestling in this match was awesome. And then they just it became a Michael Oku overbook special. Uh, which, you know, that tends to happen sometimes with these Oku matches. I didn't even mind the overbooked aspects of it. No, yeah, I, I didn't because it all great, it, it all made sense. Yeah, for 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 people, if you were just jumping into Rev Pro and this is the only Rev Pro match you've seen and the only Rev Pro show you've ever seen, I'm sure you were like, "What's going on here? This is a, an overbooked mess." I didn't think so. I thought I was like, "Oh, this all kind of works with the story." It's Trent Seven, the the guy who left to go create NXT UK and try to kill the independent scene, and here's Rev Pro and Michael Oku, one of the guys who stayed around. Will Osprey, one of the other guys that stayed around, and those guys have been, you know, very open they were open at the time and they've been open since these guys have come back of like all right go fucking kill this wrestling scene go do whatever i'm gonna fight against you guys you know what what you're doing is shit and you're trying to kill our wrestling scene and you're you're a piece of shit for doing it like those guys were saying it in real time like fuck you guys you're trying to kill this scene and then they all these guys have come back now that nxt uk has gone away and then i never to be fired most of them and now the storyline is kind of Fuck you guys for trying to kill this wrestling scene. Fuck you. I don't care. I'm not going to bring you back into my company and, and welcome you with open arms and say, ah, hey, put her here, pal. So there's some, you know, there's some open wounds still. There's people still upset. Oku's still upset. Hey, I stung, I, I hung around here. I didn't leave. I didn't go take the big bucks and, and try to, you know, chase my dreams and try to kill this wrestling scene. So it it, it lent itself to being overbooked and, and, and a little rot at times. Now, the extent of which... That's up for debate. But if you if you followed the story, you knew NXT UK, you knew the story of the UK Indies, all that sort of stuff. I think it worked. But but I do understand how some people might have thought it went a little it too long. It wasn't even. Well, see, I didn't even mind. I thought the ref bump was great. The, the drop kick in the corner. And I didn't even mind the spots that they did after the never ending ref bump. The problem was the timing of all the spots that they did after the ref bump. It felt like an eternity in between all of the table spots and moving from spot to spot. And the timing was just off and it totally killed and ruined the match. After the ref bump when Trent had the title and he was waiting for Oku to stand up so he can drill him with it, Amira got into the ring too quickly 
and because the spot was she was supposed to when Trent reared back with the title, she's supposed to take the title out of his hands, right? And stop him from hitting Oku. She got into the ring way too soon. It felt like it a took heel Oku turn. Too long to get up. It felt like a heel turn, right? It felt. It I, I don't know if and you then, thought this. I was thinking, oh my god, Amira's going to grab that title, turn around and hit Oku, swivel the hips and hit Oku and side with Trent Seven. Well, the people in the Discord chat who had never watched Rev Pro before thought it was going to be a turn like you like you're describing and then when someone said oh they're like a real life they're either married or engaged whatever they are like it wouldn't make sense to do that it it, it, it the timing was just all fucked up so she, she was basically standing behind Trent Seven for an eternity waiting for him to rear back with the belt instead of just stopping him before you know what I mean like it, it, it ruined the spot then they took so much time in between to set up all the table spots and in between the table spots. They just killed all of the momentum of the match. And you're just like, this is just an overbooked mess. It's taking too long. I think if it was paced better and there was less time in between the spots, I think everything would have worked better, but it completely fell apart after the ref bump and the timing was all off because the spots themselves looked good like the table bump that Amira took looked spectacular oh yeah when they yeah. when when they put her through the table Levi Mira was great on the outside with everything that he was doing um you know the 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 table spot that Oku had set but it's just interminably long in between the spots and they lost the crowd and it just fell apart and as a result it took what could have been a great match and it ended up not being even a good match so i didn't like it as a total package and then oku wins with the single leg crab and again you have four thousand people a lot of them aren't locked in they don't know that's his finish a lot of people in our chat didn't know yeah everyone's saying oh really they did that entire match and he's just going to win with a, a you know a half crab or whatever <laughs> it's like well his nah, nickname's it's like, the master well, of the half crab so it makes sense that's but, his whole gimmick is yeah. i'm the master of the half crab and it's like it would have been like Bret Hart winning the match with a sharpshooter and people who had never seen Bret Hart be like, well, that's weird, but no, it's fucking Bret Hart. He uses the sharpshooter, you know, like, so I don't know for a million different reasons. It just didn't work. It went a little too um, long. I, I'll agree. And, and, and that's, absolutely. And, that, and that happens a lot. Unfortunately, it happens a lot in rev pro and it tends to happen a lot with uh, Michael Oku matches where they maybe go about seven to 10 minutes too long where you're like, you got it, you nailed it go home and then it's like nah you keep going <laughs> just stop going just go just it's, yeah and that yeah. happened it here felt, it felt too long yeah. and it, the reality is it was only 20 minutes i'm telling you it was the time between the spots it yeah was just the eternity mm-hmm. setting up the spots and you know some of the timing issues and then the main event was will osprey shingo and will osprey a night before the biggest match of his life in front of eighty thousand people where he was the second or third most over person on the show and a match that meant a lot to him went out there and had a fucking four and a half star match with Shingo. And yep. by the way, they went out there and had a four and a half star match and it was the worst match they've ever had against one. Yeah, of course. So yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. My end result that. was my, my, my review was, yeah, not quite as good as their previous matches. Four and a half stars. It's like, you know, yeah. I, mean, I was like disappointed. Was match. I was disappointed yeah. at the four. And, I'm like, Oh man, they didn't quite make it. That's all right. Four and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the pantheon of Will Ospreay shingle matches, this is last. There's no question. And it was four and a half stars. Yeah. So, tore the house down. Then they did the whole angle with um, with uh, with Chris Jericho, mirroring the angle he did at the first all-in with the with the Bushi mask and everything. So, um, uh, and which was, you know, to for, for the set to put heat on the match the next night. And they showed that footage on all-in, which was cool. 
And we found out that we're getting Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. at Royal Quest 3, right back at the Copper Box, where they did something like 6,400 fans last time. So, um, you know, this show did 4,000, which a massive success for Rev Pro. It crushed their previous, um, you know, high watermark in terms of attendance. Like you said at the top, one of the highest drawing British independent shows of all time. Um, you know, I think probably someone who's more of an expert on the region, but I think it's probably top five in terms of independent shows, um, of all time. And, um, you know, a great show top to bottom. And, and, uh, you know, I think in our discord, a lot of the people who weren't really familiar with rep pro really came away impressed with the action and, and, and impressed with the card. Um, just about everybody in there was hooting and hollering the whole time and saying how great yeah. the show was. So, um, from that standpoint, um, and, and, and a lot of people said that our comparisons of mid aughts ROH is a pretty apt one. You know, I don't think your rank and file rep pro show is quite as good as your rank and file 2006 ROH show, but it's the same style of wrestling. And some of them are just as good. And if you're, if you're, if you were turned on by this show to rev pro, you don't have to be a completionist and watch every, you know, live in London you can easily get by watching the York Hall shows and cherry picking off of the other shows, the wrestlers that you like, uh, the storylines that you're following, and then locking into the, you know, four or five times a year when they're in York Hall. Right. And you can competently follow the company that way for $7 and 49 cents a month. So, um, I don't know. Any closing thoughts on this show? Not really. Uh, it was just the best, you know, one of their best foots forward. You know what I mean? Like they, they impressed. They probably had more people watching them. Obviously, they had more people in the building than I've ever seen them before. They probably had more people on Rev Pro On Demand watching them ever before. Probably more people talking about them ever before. They got, you know, a mention on AEW pay-per-view and all this sort of stuff. That, and, and they delivered as good of a show as they could possibly do it. It was a show that that fit within, for better or for worse, fit into the Rev Pro pantheon perfectly it sounded like shit it looked like shit but it was wrestled great good storylines throughout i thought uh and really a best foot forward for rev pro and 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 this could be the beginnings of some pretty good stuff there i mean they, they've been slowly getting here we've been following them along the entire way they've been slowly creeping up to the slowly getting better slowly getting better uh and this felt like you know for some people it you know, uh, people have mentioned, hey, is all is this all in show like the peak of AEW? Is it now all downhill from here or whatever? I don't know what that's going to be, but I do know for Ref Pro, this was not the peak for them. I, I think that this is only going to move forward for them. I think they've established themselves as a clear progress ran this weekend. Did, did you know progress ran this weekend? Nobody did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't have a fraction of the buzz. No. I know we didn't talk about it. I know we're not going to watch it. Nobody gave a shit. Um, yeah, there wasn't nearly as many people, obviously, there. And a lot of the same people, you know, some of the same people wrestled on the show. Um, you know, uh, so no, yeah, yeah, they have just blown past. Remember, they were neck and neck yeah, pre-pandemic, oh, yeah, yeah. pre-speaking out, pre-all of the controversies. It was, you know, it was more like, what do you prefer? The more story-heavy progress or the more straight-laced ROH, New Japan style of RevPro? It was something for everyone, and there was a lot of cross-pollination, but they were very different, and it was very easy to prefer one over the other. And both were using the highest level talent possible. Now it's not even close. Like it's a fucking boat race. Like Rev Pro is so much yeah. better than progress in every way um, that, you know, Rev Pro is very clearly the leader in the market. And, um, you know, I'm very happy for them. The show was a tremendous show. They couldn't have had a better show for new eyes streaming issues aside. Um, 
and yeah, I, I think they're having their, their, maybe their best year. And when you consider the high level matches that they've had and the, the talent development and the young wrestlers on the come up, you know, and um, I, I can't stress enough. I say it all the time. This is the promotion to watch. If you want to see the best young talent in the world right now, this is the promotion Absolutely. to watch. And to me, for my taste, this is the best indie in the world. It's one of the best promotions, period, in the world. Yeah, it, it works to my sensibilities as well. It, it, and, and, and Jordan Smith and Noto Shatron brings up a great point. This is the reverse GCW at Hammerstein. Oh, yes. Where GCW oh, yeah, at yeah. Hammerstein was like, all right, let's see. And it was like, oh, you're a fucking joke. I'm done. I'm never going to watch this promotion again. And Joe, I haven't. Right. I haven't watched a second of GCW since then, and yeah. I do not think I'm alone in that. Nope. The only time I even give them a look is WrestleMania weekend because I'm watching everything. And outside of that, rank-and-file Game Changer shows – and they put together like all these like crazy yeah. matches that mm-hmm. would be like indie dream matches, but I'm not watching them in those <laughs> that environment. No. I'm not doing it. It's it's trashy and it's just I, I can't. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's actually a really good point because I think they ran off a lot of people with their pay per view from Hammerstein, and I think this show, if anything, has won some people over. Absolutely, so that's actually an excellent point. There you go. So we are out of time, but we still have to get to the NWA, Joe. What do you want to do? You want to plow through here? Um, do we push this to the you, overrun? Are we overrunning the NWA 75? What do you want to do, do? We could do a 10 minute overrun. It's only going to take us about 10 minutes to do the NWA. So we can, we can uh, overrun that. All right. Um, back to back. A overruns. lot of people don't, a lot of people don't want to hear it anyway. So yeah, true. It, so you know what, if you don't want to hear if it, you want to hear bonus content that you can check out behind the paywall. Do that. All right. And so we'll break down Tyrus. <laughs> Tyrus is retirement. Oh, That's it's all over for stuff. Tyrus. Yeah, we are going to talk about the life and the career of Tyrus. He's not dead. He just he just retired from <laughs> professional wrestling today, yes. at least. So, okay. Uh, back-to-back overrun week. So, for live listeners, uh, stick around. We'll take a quick uh, couple-minute break here. Uh, then we'll be back for the overrun. And uh, for the free listeners, we are done here on the flagship. Again, uh, make sure you subscribe to flagshippatreon.com. Uh, to listen to All Out uh, Instant Reaction Live on Sunday. As well, if you want to hear us break down NWA 75, that will be available over at flagshippatreon.com as well. The overrun is only on our $5 tier. Uh, the Instant Reaction Live is on the $10 tier. So again, if you're live, just stick around. If you're free, we are done. We bid you adieu. That's Joe. I am Rich. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines, and we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.